It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G. Uh, hold the phone here. Tonight the hosts are Patrick Keller and Nicole Strickland, because the guests are Karen me, Chucky G, Cheryl, and Chad. That's right, it's our 300 celebration, man. So we're the guests, they're the hosts. So you need to stick around, because this is going to be really fun. Plus, we have a really special interview at the end, too. So it's time for you to sit back and enjoy the celebration along with us. So, ready? Here we go. Ante time! Welcome, welcome to a very special episode of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. The 300th show. That's a big deal. You may have noticed that I do not sound like any of the personalities you're used to hearing. And maybe you're slightly confused, but don't be. My name is Patrick Keller, and I've been asked to host on this awesome occasion. And my special guests tonight are a group of people you know pretty well. I'm talking about your usual hosts. Karen Frazier, and Chuck Godsky, but we'll also be talking to two people who are most often behind the scenes, but put a lot of work and energy into making this show great and bringing it to you every night, and that's Cheryl Knight Wilson, producer, and Chad Wilson, co-producer. Tonight is going to be lots of fun. We're going to be taking lots of questions that were submitted by listeners, and maybe even a few from the chat room, which, by the way, is full tonight. That's very cool to see. Thanks for being here. Also tonight, we'll be probably talking to our guests about their favorite paranormal TV shows, their favorite books, and, of course, awesome memories from many years of paranormal underground radio in the dark. Cheryl has prepared an awesome 20-minute clip with highlights from several of the guest interviews over the years. And then in the last hour, you're going to hear a brand new pre-recorded interview with Chuck talking to the Guy Lion Playfair of the Society for Psychical Research out of London. Mr. Playfair was one of the main investigators of the Enfield Poltergeist case and the reason you know what you know about the story that is told in the Conjuring 2 film. I do also want to mention this evening that Nicole Strickland was supposed to be my special co-host, but had a last-minute emergency conflict, and so we'll miss having her here, and we hope all is well. So as I bring our guests in tonight, I have to feel bad for the listener who can't see how dressed up everyone is. Everyone looks so lovely for this special occasion, and I've been listening to everyone plan their outfits all afternoon. We've got wizard hats, tiaras, and wands. Chuck has sleeves, which is apparently a big deal, and I'm wearing a bow tie. Oh, and some of us have festive beverages. So, uh, all right, here we go. Let's do this. So, um, have you guys, I, I mean, I planned on just having each of you kind of make an opening statement here about, um, you know, uh, 
what this moment feels like to you and and how you're feeling tonight. I mean, 300 is a big oh. deal. It is a big deal. So why don't we do a quick round robin and like let's start with let's start with Karen. And Hi. I mean, what's what are you feeling tonight? 300, man. So when when Cheryl and I initially talked about doing a show back in was it 2009, Cheryl? It was. I think is that what we? Yeah, in 2009, it was the, our first show was in February of 2009, and it was a podcast, and um, it we had maybe one, maybe two a month, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is just you know we'll do it for a couple of months and it'll be great, and here we are, seven years and 300 shows later, and um, I can't believe we've done it. Uh, we have had some of the most fabulous guests in the last seven years i listed them all on the paranormal underground um facebook page the other day and i was reminded about how amazing the guests we are we've i've had i've had the gift of working with tremendous co-hosts including guest co-hosts like you patrick and of course chuck and rick hale um and so for me you know i just this is really exciting because i've been part of it from the start and we never knew that this is where we would be and we're so grateful to our listeners and our guests and our guest co-hosts and our co-hosts and Cheryl and Chad, uh, I'm just happy to be here. Very wow. cool. Ch- Chuck, what do you, what, well, what? Ch- I, I think that Cheryl should go first because they've been here longer than I. I, I want to be the last one. So I want Cheryl to speak first. And by the way, Chad Wilson, our co-producer who, yes. I, as far as, as long as I've been listening, I don't hear from Chad very often. So, mm-hmm. so uh, if we haven't welcomed Chad um, this evening, welcome Chad. Thank you. So Cheryl, yes. what do you think? This is our lovely 300th celebration show, and thank you all for coming. We have the biggest chat room I've I've seen yet, I think, oh, in our cool. 300 shows, except maybe a couple of times. And um, I just personally want to say thank you to Karen and Chuck for being the hosts of this show. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of dedication, and I really appreciate. It. I know Chad really appreciates it. We really can't say how much you know you have done for us. I wish I could express it, but. I can just say thank you and give you a parting gift, and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has that, been. That's, it has that's been in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Most most um, of the time, it's been a pleasure. Every once in a while, it's been the... like, "Oh God, I've got to do the show tonight." But usually, yeah. it's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, I know we wanted to give a big thank you to um, Rick Hale, who hosts the show for many years with you, Karen, um, and uh, yes, we had a lot you, of fun, a lot of fun over the years doing the show. And we also want to thank all of our co-hosts that stepped in over the years. You know, some at the last minute when we had an emergency, we needed somebody to co-host at the last minute. And uh, all our listeners, thank you. I definitely want to thank everybody in the chat room for showing up tonight. Special night for us. William Becker, Daryl Lee Berry Jr., Kristen W.L., Tom Gotsky, Jessica Pettit, Laura and John. I'm sorry, Lana and John. My mistake. Chad just Chad's I'm eyesight. Hearing voices. The, that I heard was the whisper, Chad's yeah. next to me. Um, Jill Marie Morris, Rob St. Helen, Yozel Lorenzo, Bob Fountain from Spectral Tech, Phil Summers, Kristen oh. Moores, and I know we're expecting a lot more. So thank you so much. I don't even know if I answered your question. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> it was fine. You did yeah, a good it job, was, Nick. Beautiful. It oh, was next. just your opening statement, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm ready to go. Kara's <laughs> like, next? 
Well, um, I, I, I recognize a lot of those. Uh, <laughs> recognize a lot of those names in the chat room, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, Chad, yeah. do you have Chad? Do you have an opening statement? I uh, feel like uh, when we started this journey back in 2008 with the magazine, and then the radio show was an extension of that to try to educate people on the paranormal and the people within it. And I think we've come a long way, and I really enjoy where we're at right now. I keep saying opening statement like this is some law show or something. <laughs> That sounds kind of dorky. So that takes us to Chuck. Yeah, we're a bunch of big dorks. It's Gee. Fine. Yo, what's up? Yeah, my opening statement, I swear I didn't do it, man. It was the other guy. I swear <laughs> I didn't do it. Um, for me, it's it's kind of crazy because, like I posted on Facebook, um, I started as a, a fan of the show. Um, used to listen to it all the time. I, I, I would actually take them and copy them on CDs because I'm old school and then put them in my car when I'm driving to work and listen to them all the time. So that's how I'm, and I have like a whole boatload of them laying around still. Um, so I really, I really, I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, and then uh, a couple times I was, you know, uh, being friends with Raquel I was asked to come on and co-host. Then I started my little ditty for a year of a show and then they brought me on here. And I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's crazy because it's like you go from being a fan of something and enjoying it from that end of it to now being able to be like, you know, get creative input and to be part of it and to actually interact with them. I, I just feel like I'm part of the family. I, I, re- I really appreciate what, what, everything they've done for me. So I, I'm happy to be here. You said little ditty. That was funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so many, probably many people in the chat room, but many of the listeners have submitted questions for the true, uh, you know, producers and hosts of this show and actually the first one i was going to ask um we kind of already started going that direction so probably karen and cheryl can kind of take off where we left over talking about the magazine but daryl e berry um jr who is a popular guest here on the show says what made you get into producing a paranormal radio show (laughs) uh absolute insanity i would think um (laughs) You know, we started the magazine, we'd been doing the magazine for uh, probably six months to a year, maybe a little longer. And I remember just saying to Cheryl, you know, we should do a podcast because I loved interviewing people for the magazine. And one of the things I was always really surprised about was that I would ask people if they would want to do an interview and they would be like, yeah. Um, so I, you know, and that always surprised me. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I, and it was people who were well known. And so I thought, well, maybe we could actually get to talk to these people. And really, my first suggestion to do the podcast was honestly because I wanted to talk to Stanton Friedman. And he was our first podcast guest. And um, so that's how we started. And then Chad kept saying we need to do a live radio show. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. My God, that's so much work. (laughs) Who's going to get all the guests? Because I was producing at the time. And Cheryl said, I'll do it. And I said, okay. <laughs> and that Deal. was that that was it. I mean, and, and so when did we I think we started, we did like um six months to a year of the podcast, and then we went into the live radio show. We started on um Z Talk Radio and then moved to Hey to Z Radio, and now here we are in MixLR. Cheryl, do you have anything to add to that? I think that was well stated. I think it was just 
Chad mentioned it earlier, Karen just mentioned it, we had a desire to talk to more people, talk about more cool paranormal stuff, get it from all angles, from people investigating in their cities, people investigating on TV shows, people writing books who have investigated the content that they wrote. So it was, it just, it, it really blossomed, like Karen said. I mean, I never imagined we would be here 300 shows later. There you got it. You Did got we lose it. Patrick again? <laughs> He'll be back because he has all the questions. So yeah, Daryl, thank you for the question. Yeah. Um, and as we get Patrick back, um, you Hello. know, like I say, it was just, um, for us, it was, it was kind of a logical progression. And I am so grateful with all the people that we've talked to over the years. There has not been a guest who has come on that I haven't learned something from. And um, my philosophy has always been to have the guest. And I, I joke a lot. You hear me joke on the show a lot about it being all about me. And truly, <laughs> that's a joke. It's all about the guests. And my goal is always to elicit the guest's story and um, and really learn something from them. And every single guest we've ever had has given me at least one thing to think about. I yes. Agree. Am I back? Totally You're back. back. I'm back. I just filled space until you got back. We're not going to get through all of this. I'm just going to tell you now if you keep hanging up on us, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I want to hear the same question. I want to hear Chucky e. G answer the same question. What, what, what was the question? What, was the what question? is the one thing you have learned after 300 episodes or the episodes that you've been here? I've learned that uh, there's a diverse amount of people out in this planet. Uh, I've learned um, to look at things in a different way. I mean, I always look at, at things that, out of the box as, as, a, as a whole, but um, I really had my eyes open to quite a lot of different things I probably would not have if I wouldn't have done the show. So I would have to say that that's probably the way I look at things. Like I, 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 I am more interested in finding out what other people's views are now before I'd be like, ah, you know, this is what I think, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's just, it's fun to see other people and come and be as passionate about what they believe in as what I believe in. Um, I think the show has given me a broader view of that. So for that, I, I, I really have to thank uh, just being here because I've learned quite a lot. Cool. And that question was from Rob St. Helen. Did we say that? So thank Thanks, you. Rob. Rob. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. You're rocking, man. Now, this next one, I really, really think is a great question because these these kind of things go around and around in my brain a lot. But with all of the great hosts, and this is from Robin Marie, with all of the great hosts and interesting topics you have covered over the years, what topic within the paranormal do you feel you remain more skeptical about? Who's the biggest skeptic here? Hmm. I'm not much of a skeptic about much of anything anymore, so uh, we're going to have to skip me on that one. Interesting. Cheryl, you, you want to touch this one? or I, I'm open-minded about everything, just like Karen. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't. Chad, you? I mean, the fact that you're not you know, the witness to these events that happen to people, kind of, it's kind of hard to judge what actually happened. I mean, yeah, it could be something logical, but you, know, you don't know for sure when you weren't there. Yeah, our goal is to let everyone tell their story, and mm-hmm. we're not here to judge. I mean, there have been a few times. I have to say, Cheryl has been the open-minded cheerleader. There have been a few times when she's said, this is the topic of the show, and I've said, oh, God, I don't want to talk to that person. Oh, my God, that sounds just so stupid. I don't believe yes. that. And by Cue the, end the of eye the, roll. And, and, and Cheryl's like, oh, you just need to be open-minded. And by the end of the show, I'm like, oh, my God, that was the greatest <laughs> guest we've ever had. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would say the same. I, I don't know if i'm skeptical there's things i don't know as much about so i don't know if they're 
I don't know, you know, is true of others. But I mean, I'd have to say the same. I mean, when you start talking to people on the show and you start finding out, you know, I mean, because you think you know something about a subject and then someone comes on and they just blow you away and you're like, well, hell, I didn't know any of that stuff. You know what I mean? So now I'm like, well, then maybe I got to rethink my whole thought process on a lot of different things. So I would have to agree with everybody else that, um, uh, you know, we can we can stay health healthy as far as skeptical as they bring forth the information. But I mean, as a whole, you know, I think there's a there's a there's a lot of room for a lot of things that are probably true that we don't even know. So I yeah, don't I have think I to, I got have the answers really I thought I would get. Oh, there you go. So I have something to add really quickly. My festive beverage is gone. (gasps) What happened? Drank it already? Oh, man. (laughs) Well, it's been a nice show. Thank you, everybody. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Make a run to the kitchen, Karen. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Well, on the next break, I yeah. thought, I, you know what? Jim just texted me and said he's not going to be home because his relief um, was rear-ended, and his <gasps> festive beverage, his festive beverage is in the fr- refrigerator. So I'll just go grab that. There you <laughs> no. go. But he might need that later. Well, he wasn't rear-ended. He's fine. Ooh. Well, we got a question from Barb Gotsky. <gasps> oh, Barbie! I, I know her. Yeah. Who says what was your most frightening paranormal? experience so i mean a couple of you are you know work in the paranormal kind of arena as either you know investigators or as psychics and mediums what is uh what's your most frightening experience one night we we were living in california at the time in an apartment uh chad and my son and me and my son had come out like late at night it was like 1 a.m or something like that and he's like hey did you guys just try and wiggle my doorknob you know my doorknob was wiggling and we're like what are you talking about we were you know sitting in the living room watching tv and he's like yeah someone was just wiggling my doorknob and i'm like okay you know i I just tried to ease his mind because i didn't know what it was and i really couldn't explain it you know it wasn't a truck driving by or you know it wasn't an earthquake (laughs) so we just put that out of our minds and not god chad Chad's not in the room right now, but I want to say not not even a week later, Chad and I had just gone to bed. It might have even been about the same time that Corey had his experience. That's my son. And all of a sudden, we're not asleep yet. You know, all of a sudden we hear the jiggling of our doorknob to the bedroom. So it was like jiggling, like, you know, like somebody's trying to turn and get in, but it's not mm-hmm. opening. We're like looking at each other like, what is that? And then we realize it's the doorknob and we're just looking at it, but it's dark. So we can't actually see it, but we hear it. And so it stops. We jump up, you know, go open the door. Nobody's there, obviously. I hesitantly knock on my son's bedroom door. Hey, um, did you just try and come in our room? Nope, he did not. And uh, we couldn't figure out what it was. That was a little scary just because of the nature of it. You know, we're going to sleep, dark, you know. <laughs> Somebody's jiggling the handle, but it's no one that we can see, you know, that kind of thing. So it was a little scary. Wow. Chucky e. G, do you have a scary experience? Well, you know, I, you know, as far as the paranormal, yeah, yeah, there's been some startling moments, I would like to call, probably call that more than scary. But um, I remember being at... Uh, uh, Willow Creek Farm, which is one of the top 10 haunted farms out here in Illinois. And actually, Rick Hale was with me at that time. We were doing, um, we, we were all like, everybody had kind of like calmed down on the investigation. We we're all sitting at this big long table. And behind us, 
actually behind Rick was a, a, a hallway, and then there's a, a door to the basement. Now, the doors in the farmhouses, are you know, they're flat, and they have that, the latches that just slide all the way down. So we had latched the door and everything. Uh, we were all done. We were just sitting around talking. And all of a sudden, you start hearing, like Cheryl saying, you start hearing the door handle, like, shaking. And it starts building up, going faster and faster. And then at that point, I look at Rick, Rick looks at me, and we're, like, taking stock. Is everybody here? You know what I mean? Kind of like, what's going on? And so then we stand up. Because it's so loud coming in the hallway, and then the door just flies open and smashes against the the, the wall, and just scared the living crap out of me because I was like not expecting that to happen. Uh, so I probably have to say that was probably on the top list of uh, things that I just was like I couldn't explain it, and it was just totally just like in a movie kind of thing, you know. So there so, you go. So here's an interesting question from mm-hmm. Nancy Laporta. Oh, Nancy! Hi, hey. Nancy. Hi, hey, Nancy. Nancy, love you. Right. And she says, should there be an ethical code in our work? Mm. I'm assuming the work of paranormal uh, investigation or. I think there should be an ethical code in life. So absolutely, yeah. there should be an ethical code. However, I think that it varies depending on what your personal philosophy is. And I, um, you know, I think the ethical code is that you, you don't do harm and you do good. Um, and, uh, you know, that's my ethical code is that I try, I, I try to do, I try to help not harm. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that. I, I think it's basically, I mean, it's the whole idea of when you're going to someone's you know, home, if you're doing investigations is you're there to help them. It's not about what you want to capture, what you're doing. It's you're going in there to help another human being. So I have to agree with Karen. That, I mean, it should just be your ethical code to be good to people and not try to harm people and, you know, try to help them as much as you can. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, but it'd be kind of hard to set a set of guidelines for that. You know what I mean? But yeah. uh, I yeah, agree. Different yeah. People have different philosophies. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, for some people, the ethical code might be that everything is um, and I'm going to do air quotes here, scientific, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily think that we're freaking scientists. Right. Uh, but at the same time, but somebody who does psychic work may have a different ethical code than someone who does uh, investigative work. Correct. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so then speaking of ethical code, the next one fits right in as well. Michael White says, could there be social consequences or, or or what could be the social consequences of finding irrefutable proof of life after death? To me, oh, I think God. those kind of go go hand in hand with the ethical stuff. Maybe, maybe There's not. Consequences or outcomes? Because I, I, I tend to think of consequences as being almost negative where outcomes are neutral. Um, and I do think that there are social outcomes of finding evidence of life after death. Thank you, Michael, for the question. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, I think that there are implications for sure. If there's incontrovertible, I can't even say the word because I've had a festive beverage, incontrovertible <laughs> proof of yeah. life after death. Uh-huh. I think that um, it changes for me anyway, that changes the way that humanity looks at who we are because now we know we're eternal. And if you know you're eternal, then you know you're going to come back or you know that you you don't die. Doesn't that change how you live your life? Yeah. Uh and how and how you how you cherish your well, you know, I guess cherish your life because to me I'm looking at the dark side of things and people think, well, you know, there's definitely proof that there's life after death. So, you know, if if I'm not I'm not happy in my life, you know, I just call it a day and, you know, cuz I'll be fine, you know what I mean? And uh, there could be, a, a, you know, I mean, looking at the, the dark end, like I said, I, there could be a, a big outbreak of that, you know, where people would say, well, you know, I'm done, so I'll just do this. Sort of like what happened with marriage. 
where you know marriage used to be like the sanctity of you know you get married into your until the day you die and that's the way it's supposed to be you know and of course we know for certain reasons you can't really uphold that but you know for some people it's become like yeah i'm married now whatever i'm done i'll just get divorced and move on get married again done divorced you know not to say that everybody's doing that but it's kind of the same flip to that you know what i mean it could it could turn out to be not so good how do you pronounce marriage again Chucky G. Marriage. Marriage. Marriage is the reason we have come here today. <laughs> I, had a big, I had a big j at the end of yeah. it. I thought that was great. That's the reason why. They oh, I think that. mine was from the Princess Bride, isn't yes. it? Marriage. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm trying to look because I, uh, before we all shut down, Jill Marie Morris had a good question that I know um, Cheryl put in the Skype chat room, and I'm trying to. If you guys find that and um, want to ask that, I it's not in the chat room anymore. Could I interject I can... something about Michael yeah. White's question? Yeah. I feel like maybe we are prevented from discovering if there is uh, life after death because, you know, we our higher conscious knows that if we found that out, it would change a lot of things. So maybe it's a higher power is keeping us from discovering that. Maybe we never will. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Could be. I agree. Good take on it, Chad. Job, uh, I Chad. don't see, Jill, if you want to retype your question into chat, oh, here, yes, there it is. what there stories, yes, have let you completely creeped out? Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What That's has a lot left... of guests. You know, there are, there are some guests. It's not necessarily creeped out, but like laying in bed at night with my eyes wide open, staring at the ceiling. And I can't even tell you who it was, but there was one guest we had that did that with the whole alien thing. Yeah, Ooh, I remember that. Yeah. And I can't remember. <laughs> it might have been um, Jane Pooley. It, it might have been it Jane was. Pooley. It was Jane. Yeah. It was yeah. Jane Pooley and the story she was telling and that they're walking among us and that, um, that you know, alien abduction is uh, much more common and that they're alien-human hybrids. And, and it wasn't necessarily that it left me creeped out, but, you know, I just kind of laid there that night with my eyes wide open, staring at the ceiling, thinking, huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't really had anything like that with all the guests. I found them, I mean... In general, I haven't had anything that's really like where I got off the show and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm looking around behind me." You know, I'm not, I've, I haven't had that experience really. I've I've been kind of like, "Oh my god," never thought of that, or "Holy cow," you know, kind of thing, but never in a creeped out way. So, um, I'm kind of what we we you know had some drama with the tech and all of that, and I'm kind of wondering yeah. if we should move on to some books. I kind of want to know. I'm I'm curious. We can, because- but I want to I want to change my answer because Jessica reminded me. Okay, it was change, the, change your answer. It was what was the name of the guy that was oh. the black eyed the black eyed kid? Yeah, witness? that guy. Brian. Cheryl. Brian the black eyed Brian. Brian Bethel, the black eyed kid witness. That freaked me out. <laughs> I'll tell you. Makes you stare at the ceiling with in the car. It's a I think he's in story. our clips later, right? Isn't he's in he, our clips he, later. He is. Yeah, yeah. Also, another another scary story was. Um, well, scary story. I mean, just scary in general was when we had Dave Considine on, and oh, yeah. he had some experiences that, that he shared with us that were frightening beyond belief. Yeah. yeah. So we have had a few. Yeah. <laughs> Karen, we you have been asked to gather your favorite book titles, and I know yeah. I know you well enough to know that that was probably a challenge. <laughs> I'm a ten books that you it's that you recommend right is this what we're doing we're recommending yeah i'm a i'm a reader and so um 
we were supposed to do paranormal books, but what I really did is paranormal, metaphysical, and spiritual. Oh, that's fine. Um, okay. So my first, and several of them are actually book series. So the first one are the Emanuel books by Pat Rodegast. Emanuel is a channeled entity, and they just make you feel good. They're just, they're beautiful books. Um, the next are Michael Newton's books, Destiny of Soul and Journey of Souls and um, Memories of the Afterlife. And it's about life between lives and life between lives hypnotherapy, an experience that I have been just blessed to be able to have myself. Uh, anybody who's listened to the show for a long time knows the next one, Life After Life by Dr. Raymond Moody, which is the mm-hmm. book that got me interested in this. And we've interviewed, have we interviewed him two or three times, Cheryl? Two times. Two times. Uh, he's, I just, I love the guy. He's amazing. I'm so jealous about that. Part. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and then the books of Carolyn Meese, M-Y-S-S, um, Anatomy of the Spirit, Why People Can't Heal and How They Can, which talks about the chakra systems and how our energetic blockages can lead to physical illnesses. Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach, which I've been reading over and over since I was a teenager. Uh, Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian, is it Brian Weiss? Yes. Cheryl? Yes, Yeah, I, I wrote Brian Green, and I knew that wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and then my big feminist book, Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Uh, the Cryon Books by Pat Carroll. The Artist's Way, Because I'm a Hippie by Julia Cameron. It's called The Artist's Way, not because I'm a hippie. Um, And then the conversations with God books by Neil Donald Walsh. Those are kind of the top 10 uh, books or book series that have influenced my thinking. Wow. Some heavy books. Yeah. Chuck, where'd he go? Oh, L. L. Okay. I think the first one, one of the ones that I like a lot, it's called dancing the dream with Jamie Sands. Um, It's basically about the dream weave and how we're all connected uh, to each other and to the universe. Uh, it's more like Native American theme, but I really find it to be uh, quite interesting on how you can connect with yourself on that. I found that to be really cool. Um, one of my favorites is Ghosts by Hans Holzer. Um, it's got so much information on the paranormal from uh, the you know the seventies, the sixties, seventies, all the way till now. Um, I find that to be uh, extremely interesting because there's so many good stories, and the guy was just really, really new with stuff, you know. Um, there's one called Living the God Formula. It's a uh, uh, by Robert Novak. Uh, it's a friend that Nancy connected me to when I was at the Mind, Body, and Spirit Expo. Uh, very interesting about connecting to your inner voice and listening to who you are on the inside, bringing out your true, authentic self, so you can, you know, uh, go through life a lot better. Which I've I actually I did a um, a uh, I sat down with him and read the book, and then I had to, like, you know, critique it and give him information on it. With, like thirty of us did it, so it's a really interesting book. Uh, what dwells within? Um, that's Jane Harris and DJ Weathers. It's about you know haunted dolls, Karen. You know about that. Um, things that no, are no, I know nothing spirit. about haunted dolls. <laughs> things that have like spirit attachments and stuff. Um, in pursuit of physical mediumship by Robin P. Boy, which is very interesting for me. Um, I find that fascinating. Uh, then there's this little book called Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghost of Wellington by somebody named Karen Frazier. Oh, 
I'm not really sure, but um, I really did find that book to be quite um, I made your list? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually one of my favorites. Um, wow. I've read it a few times. I, I just find it very interesting and fascinating how it, uh, is, you know, the, the way it all went down, how it's all connected. Of course, the Dybbuk box, uh, you know, at Mr. Haxton, you know, I mean, that is just like the creepiest, craziest story. And since I had that the, is a great book. Yeah, he did a great you know, job with the book. Yeah. When I when I when I finished reading his book, I actually mm-hmm. called him and I said, OK, yes. I've got questions and he talked to me for like two hours and answered all my questions about the book well and it was so cool like you had the feedback box and i'm like i'm gonna ask him if i can have it. he's gonna say no go away and he goes yeah sure next thing he sends it to my house and my whole family's freaked out and i got this thing in my house and it was just fascinating but the you know i love the book um it's not really a book per se that you read but it's it's called the paranormal dictionary by chad stombarg Stombog. It's actually interesting because it's like A through Z of just so many different things and lots of stuff that I've never even heard of or know. So I kind of like flip through it every once in a while to find new subjects and stuff like that. Uh, and sometimes it helps me with um, when I'm you know writing articles. Um, there's one called The Ethereal Release Theory of the Grave Matrix by Terry Rowe, which is extremely fascinating about like after he passed away, how uh, who we are is connected to our DNA and uh, how spirits become spirits and what he you know what they think uh might be a possibility of why we start out uh full force and people can see us and hear us after we passed away and slowly it kind of dissipates it was an interesting uh take on that and of course we've had her on the show marie d jones um it's called science p-s-i-e-n-c-e uh, about you know um, other dimensions yes i found that in some bookstore and that's how i I, I uh, wound up getting her on the show when I was doing In the Dark uh, because I just like this this book is like a lot of it just went right over my head, but I still thought a lot of it was cool. So, um, uh, yeah, that was one of my favorites. So those are uh, my top ten favorites, and I had quite a hard time picking through mine also. You know, by the way, I expect every one of you to email me these book lists, by the, the way. because Okay. I'm say. totally going to pick and, pick and choose from okay. all of your favorites. Sure. Cheryl, give us your list. Okay, my turn. Yay. Um, Yay. I, <laughs> I have a few that you guys mentioned. I'll run down them. Uh, the first one is Many Lives, Many Masters, the true story of a prominent psy- psychiatrist, his young patient, and the past life therapy that changed both their lives by Brian Weiss, MD. The next one is Life After Life by Raymond Moody. Already talked about that one. Hey. hey. Third on my list, I'm cheating. I have three books by Whitley Strieber. They are called Communion transformation and break through the next step about his experiences with extraterrestrials. The next one, also cheating, The Celestine Prophecy and its sequels by James Redfield. Check those books out for sure. Number five on my list, Saved by the Light, the true story of a man who died twice and the profound revelations he received by Daniel Brinkley. Number mm. six, Visits from Heaven by Josie Varga. She's also Oh, that was a good book. Yeah, she's been on the show. She has been on the show, and she also wrote another book called Divine Visits. Check that one out, too. Of course, number seven, um, and this is in no particular order, but Travel Far by Daryl E. Berry Jr. about the out-of-body experience. Number eight, The World's Most Haunted House by William Hall. William's also been on the show, and that was about the 1974 Bridgeport, Connecticut poltergeist case. It's a fascinating case. I, I mean, if you love case stories, case studies you've got to read this book it's it's really interesting he's he's also written other other works about paranormal cases
cases, which are also fascinating. Number nine, we don't die. George Anderson's Conversations with the Other Side by Joel Martin and Patricia Romanowski. They also wrote another good book called We Are Not Forgotten, George Anderson's Messages of Love and Hope from the Other Side. Number 10, An Investigator's Guide to Paranormal Safety by Elaine Davison. Ah! Elaine! Elaine! Uh, I, edited, <laughs> I edited that book. Yeah, it... I had to put this one on because I think it's really important for paranormal yeah, investigators to be safe. And Elaine does a good job of putting out their things that we don't think of when we go to investigate. The things that you will never think of because you're not focused on that part of it. You're focused on this other part of it. And so it's a good guide to, to read to, to be safe during your paranormal investigations. By the way, we've had good suggestions call. in the chat room that these book lists be either posted on Facebook or be put in the, the next Paranormal Underground magazine. Yeah, Ooh. great Absolutely idea. Great ideas, you awesome. guys rock. That's why we love our listeners. Genius <laughs> listeners. Yes. Hey, Chad. Genius. Chad, give us a give us a quick list here of ten books. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm actually not going to focus on ten. I'm going to I'm going to focus on five that really influenced me when I was first getting into the paranormal. And uh, I actually just added one because I forgot about it until this point. Uh, the first one is <laughs> no, Zen you by can't Elaine do that. Mercado. That's against the rule. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, it really introduced me to the the possibilities out there. So I really like that one. Uh, Secrets in the Field by Freddie Silva, which I think is a uh, explains the crop circle phenomena very very well. Also, I read uh, So There I Was by Troy Taylor, and then there was How to Be a Ghost Hunter. By Richard Southall. And that's the first I book I read book. when that's I really book. was like, well, how do I do this? You know, it, it gave me a lot of good ideas, even though I learned basically through experience. And then there was one that really, really ch- kind of almost changed my life. It was called The Atlantis Blueprint by Colin Wilson and Rand Flemath. And it's basically talked about, you know, lost civilizations and the theories that, uh, you know, about how, what happened, you know, you know, stuff like that. That's always been an interest of mine. Nice. Well, very cool. Well, on behalf of our very special guests i want to thank everyone who has been in the chat room chatting it up i think everyone's talking about how this is the largest chat room they've seen in a while and all the people listening and we're going to take our first break i believe and when we come back you're going to hear immediately after the break you're going to hear like a 20 minute clip as cheryl said of some of the highlights from paranormal underground radio in the dark guests from the past so thank you for listening in hey great t-shirt i've heard of that place it's really supposed to be haunted you wear such cool t-shirts you must have been what to every haunted spot in the country well not really i'm a member of hauntedshirtclub.com i get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month along with an info card with photos and stories and more i can hardly wait to open it every month wow i have to check that out HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. 
I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, Investigating the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you too can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com or you can visit my website at authorkarenfraser.com. My name is Daryl E. Berry Jr., longtime practitioner, researcher, and explorer of things metaphysical, mystical, and cutting edge, and founder and director of Next Density a research, education, and development effort for personal and thus global progress, transformation, and development. My current and upcoming books include Travel Far, Classes on A Course in Miracles, and Next Density. For my books and other writings, videos, interviews, public talks, and workshops, and to schedule for consultations, classes, and courses, visit DarylEBerryJr.com or NextDensity.org. Next Density. Change yourself. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Hey everyone, this is Cheryl Knight with Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for joining us for a special 300th episode tonight. And whether you've been listening since our very first show seven and a half years ago, or you are new to our show, we appreciate you tuning in. Karen, Chuck, Chad, and I want to also give a big thank you to all of our outstanding guests over the years. And to celebrate our 300th show tonight, we'd like to play a few highlight clips for you. So here it goes. Stanton Friedman, physicist, UFO researcher, and original civilian investigator of the Roswell incident. You know, it's clear. The evidence is overwhelming. Planet Earth's being visited by intelligently controlled extraterrestrial spacecraft. In other words, some underlined 47 times. Some UFOs are alien spacecraft. Most are not. I don't care about them. Just like most isotopes aren't fissionable. So what? Most people aren't seven feet tall either. <laughs> that doesn't stop the basketball coach from saying, give me one. That's all I want. <laughs> we Americans would like to say, why don't they land on a White House lawn? But uh, I hate to surprise people, but the president of the United States does not speak for six billion earthlings. Many times he doesn't speak for 300 million Americans. Well, we'll hold an election to find out who speaks for the planet. No, we won't. India's got a billion people. China's got 1.3 billion. We got 300 million. We won't hold an election. No government wants to give up power. That's what we're talking about here, power. And, of course, there were certain religious fundamentalists, uh, Pat Robertson, the late Jerry Falwell, who have loudly proclaimed we are the only intelligent life in the universe. Mm-hmm. What a sad statement that is, if this is the best I can <laughs> do, frankly. Zach Bagans, host and lead investigator of the reality TV series Ghost Adventures. I believe in ghosts just as people believe that dogs exist on this planet. It's just that easy to say for me. And when you become a believer, 
your perception of life and just looking at people and society and cars and I mean, tree, just everything looks different now. It's kind of like you've been abducted by aliens and you know that you went through that experience. When you get back down into, into earth here, you, you just look at everybody different and you try and tell them what happened to you. And you just, you don't feel good when they're, it's just going in one ear and out the other. You just want to grab them and shake them and, and just say, look, this really happened. This really happened. I woke up. I was screaming because someone was on my back. Someone broke into my house and was on my back. Felt like I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. I was screaming, saying, get off me, get off me. All of a sudden, about, you know, 30 seconds later, the pressure went away and I, it was gone. I flipped over and I sat up and I saw a silhouette of a woman standing at the corner of my bed. And I couldn't make out really, like, facial features of her. I knew by the silhouette I could see her hair. And she was dead still and just facing me. And that moment when I looked into her eyes and, and she looked into, looked at me, it was like a jolt of electricity like that went through my body. Then she started to move kind of away from me, but like just still standing still but moving like off to the side. And that's when I got up and turned my light on. And I was shaking so bad. My heart was beating like a rabbit. And I turned my light on. There's nobody there. I left my door open. I went and sat out in my parking lot. I think I had my whitey tighties on for like an hour. <laughs> and, uh, man, that was scary as shit. Excuse yeah, my, my French, hand. but my it, was, it was scary, man. It, it was very, very creepy. And my sister's wedding was the next week in Hawaii. And I told everybody about it. And I ended up moving out of there really quickly after I got home. It scared me. Shannon Sylvia, paranormal investigator and cast member of Ghost Hunters International. It is the number one source of fear for me is, mm -hmm. is evil demonology, demonology. Of course, it would be for everybody. And I feel kind of like the time I stepped out of the airplane at 14,000 feet. If you don't face your fears, you're never going to get rid of them. And growing up, you know, whatever was in that house was evil. Mm -hmm. And uh, it never physically harmed me, but it did a number on me mentally. And... Okay. I'm trying to learn about it, just to learn. I don't want to start conjuring up Lucifer himself. I don't have time for that, but I want to learn as much as I can about it. And the more I learn about demonology, demons, I'm realizing how common they are, that they're around us now and every day, and they make you do things like swear and punch people in the face and turn tables over, and they're influencing our every move. And I okay. begin to, to understand that more and more, and it has nothing to do with the Catholic religion, because, of course, they'll tell you that. It's just what I'm, what I'm realizing. Oh, God, that scared me. It's going to happen. I don't, I mean, hopefully in my, I'm in my 30s, so hopefully in my lifetime I'll see parapsychology as a real thing. Somebody's going to measure the weight of a ghost. You know, somebody's going to predict something might happen. Um, even this, Look how long we've been studying psychics for. I mean, Yuri Geller was out, what, in the 60s, 70s? Mm -hmm. Nobody studied him enough to get anything out of him, and they tried and tried and tried. Raymond Moody, philosopher, psychologist, near-death experience researcher, and author of the book Life After Life, The Investigation of a Phenomenon, Survival of Bodily Death. 
You know, I think whenever you see somebody uh, waving the banner, you know, of proof of life after death, uh, you better be careful. You know, it's, uh, I mean, this is an enormously difficult question. And um, so I don't, I agree with you. I don't think it's yet proven. Every single element of the near-death experience often occurs, it frequently occurs, not just to people who almost die and return, but to the bystanders at the death of somebody else. For example, as grandma dies, the people standing, or one or more of the people standing there at the bedside may may say that they um, they feel that they leave their physical bodies and they feel they rose up and accompanied their dying grandmother's grandmother partway toward this light or people may see say that they see the spirit of a dying person leave the body i've even heard this from a lot of doctors and so on or or family members there at the bedside or people say that the room fills with light even including cases where people have said that they have empathically co-lived the dying life review of a person who goes ahead and passes away. Jay Verberg, paranormal investigator and greenhorn on the reality TV show, Ghost Mine. One of the things that, that truly fascinates me with the whole energy concept is understanding how energy can be contained, how it can be tracked. I want to understand if energy is somehow contained against its will, so to speak, mm -hmm. or if if something moves on and has the ability to contain its energy in a location to keep from entering that global pool of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you talk about tormented souls and people who had things they had to say before they died. Uh, right. Could they somehow um, contain their energy in a way uh, to keep them from moving on? There's mm -hmm. also the idea that, you know, uh, everything around us is, or, or that when we, we move on, it, we just move on up to the next layer, similar to, uh, you know, like an onion skin. And if that happens, do we have the ability to cross back over and at least communicate on another side? I'm really looking for the story. I'm looking for the event that truly uh, rocks my world and makes me question everything. I mm. thought I knew what I was doing. Uh, of course, yeah. when that happens, I'm going to freak out. I'll probably cry <laughs> a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, and then six months down the, down the road, I'll find every excuse in the book as to why it probably wasn't as scary as I thought it was, only to be right back where I am now. Lori McDonald, certified clinical hypnotherapist and founder of the Sacramento Alien Abduction and Contactee Support Group. I think that this is after 20-some years now. I've come to the conclusion that it's not maybe the craft that we saw or whether it was cigar-shaped or saucer-shaped or which type of entity we saw, or even which realm it may possibly come from. But the fact that our reality has broadened to the point where it's adjusted to encompass or now believe in the seen and unseen, and therefore we have an opportunity to expand our consciousness and perhaps have some real growth in our evolution in humanity. That's ultimately what I think we should take from this. I mean, if we always get too 
externalized on the evidence. We can go around and around and around, you know, looking for evidence, trying to prove it. It doesn't matter if we can prove it or not. If it's our experience or our reality, then our specific reality has changed. And, and those are the aspects of consciousness that are affected that I, I find intriguing at this point. Daryl E. Berry, Jr., metaphysical researcher and founder of the Next Density Center. It got to the point to where I would just habitually float out of body. I would just habitually, many a nights, I literally slept on the ceiling of my bedroom. I would just wow. be laying, and my nose would be to the ceiling like this. And, and I would just be staring at the ceiling, and I would look back once in a while and look at my body, and I would just be staring at the ceiling the whole night. And then I would just float back down to my body. Whenever you have an out-of-body experience, your physical body is asleep. You could, you could eventually okay. get good enough to where you can keep your body active, but your mm-hmm. physical body initially has to always go to sleep. Okay. So, uh, and then it, it, it takes a bit of practice to be able to get to the sleep state while remaining conscious. Because, of course, most people, we're so focused on third-density reality on, on the physical world, we don't even remember our dreams. Most people don't even remember their dreams at night. They go to sleep and they wake up and it's just a bunch of blackness. So uh, it does take some training, uh, not because it's an unnatural experience. It's a very natural experience. You know, over the years and over the decades, I've, of course, talked to a lot of people. I've taught dozens of people how to do it. I've heard several stories and you know, so often I would describe it to people. For instance, the common occurrence is the paralysis. I'm sure you've woken up before I went to sleep and you felt paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Very common. So it, it's a common thing that happens. It's just that most people have, we've allowed our conscious awareness to atrophy to the point that we don't, we're not aware of our inner lives anymore. Jason Haxton, the Dybbuk Box owner and director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri. One of our college interns um, had actually gotten involved with the Dybbuk box, purchased it, and then brought the information to us kind of after the fact saying, well, what do I do with it and what's this all about? And so, of course, us being used to getting things uh, dropped off on our doorsteps, uh, looked into the story, and uh, that's how I kind of became involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I bought it and very nervous about buying it. Uh, but did go ahead and buy it and start the research and had, as I mentioned, yeah, things that health issues, insect infestations, skin burns, uh, exploding lights, flowery scents followed by urine scents, uh, floating shadows, water being drawn to areas where it's like strictly dry. So uh, light flashes, um, all of these things kind of followed with this item once I brought it into my home. Amy Allen, physical medium investigator on the reality TV show, The Dead Files. You know, typically it comes from, you know, the further I get into my walk and I'm meeting other deceased individuals and then I'm kind of connecting the dots and how they're affecting me and how they are affecting the other living people and the environment that I'm seeing via my walk and my guides and then obviously the other dead people uh, that's typically when I'm able to figure out that that they're messing with me, uh, that they're trying to misdirect me, they're trying to uh, hide uh, the truth. Um, and then, you know, my guides do assist a great deal in those types of situations as far as, you know, pointing me in the direction of like, no, you know, this is not a shadow person, this is a dead person and they're, they're, they're screwing with you. Mm. You need to look harder and okay. deeper. 
Steve DeShavi, retired NYPD homicide detective and investigator on the reality TV show The Dead Files. But with Amy, it's just different every week. So it's, it's, a, it's a different type of experience for me. So I always tell people, they, oh, you believe in the paranormal. I'm like, no, I believe we're in Amy's abilities. It's not that I don't believe in the paranormal. I'm an open-minded skeptic. I do believe there's something going on. I cannot deny it when Amy's hitting on things like that. It still amazes me. Andrew Bashago team leader of Project Pegasus and founder and president of Mars Anomaly Research Society. When I left Project Pegasus, I was subjected in, as an 11-year-old in 1972. I was subjected to a very cruel form of brainwashing. My shirt was removed and I was laid over a leather sort of examining table and I had needles placed in my, up my spinal column and they infused my brain and spinal cord with some kind of medication that created such an evacuating headache that if I had been able to grab a pistol out of somebody's holster on their, on their belt, I would have shot myself. And when that pain was being induced, the person conducting this session was basically making me go back and narrate everything that had happened to me in the time travel arena when I was attached to Project Pegasus, going back to the original jump from um, Curtis Wright in Woodridge, New Jersey, to Santa Fe with my dad to meet with Dr. Harold M. Agnew at the Los Alamos Labs, who's the director of the weapons division. And the use of the mind control techniques from MKUltra were operationalized and placed under the deputy director of plans for the CIA in July of 1963, but, but four years before, uh, excuse me, four months before President Kennedy's assassination. Marie D. Jones, paranormal researcher and author of the book, Ghosts, Spirits, and Hauntings, Am I Being Haunted? The concept of the devil came about because primitive humans began to see dualities. They saw, you know, night and day, dark and light, uh, things that were, and and then they began to interpret things as good and bad Mm -hmm. and categorize them. So when you're in nature and you're seeing good and bad, you kind of deitize it. So that's where the concept of God originated from. The jinn are, you know, they're they're ancient in that they date back, I guess, to like the the Sumerians and you know the the origins of the Middle Eastern people. So they're actually far older in a lot of ways than some of the newer concepts that we have of demons. Right. But the jinn could also they didn't necessarily have to be evil, but if they helped you, they did it at a price. Let's put it that way. You know, it's like when they say sell your soul to the devil, you might get some really cool stuff out of that transaction, (laughs) but eventually... You're going to pay for it in the end. Exactly. Brian Bethel, journalist and black-eyed kids witness. When I looked over, both of these kids, I noticed, had coal black eyes, completely, completely black. I mean, no discernible um, difference between, you know, iris and sclera and, I mean, whatnot. I mean, the, the totally black. And at that moment, my brain just explodes in this absolute fight-or-flight horror. <laughs> and I, I don't really know how to describe it other than that. I mean, at that moment, several things occurred to me. I, I, I knew that I was in extreme danger. I knew that my intuition was correct. I felt as if I was going to die, 
at that moment, and I knew that I had to get away from these kids. And I had noticed, um, this is a detail that I'll, I'll mention, that there were several times when I was talking to this kid that I noticed that my hand had kind of strayed toward the door latch. I mean, I didn't pop it open or anything, but but in retrospect, it was something that I that I that I kind of really noticed and 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 medi- have meditated on as to what that means in the narrative. I am in this absolute panic now to get away from these kids, and I make any excuse I possibly can. I, I say, "Look, I'm sorry. I, I just realized something. I can't help you guys." Hope you get a ride, all that sort of thing. Start rolling up the window. And at that point, the spokesman gets angry, really, really angry. <laughs> and I, I managed, I, I'd only cracked the window a little bit, so I roll it up pretty quickly. But he, he starts banging on the glass. I mean, not, not a little bit. I mean, I, I can feel the vibration in the car. Um, and he just starts pounding on the glass. And he says, Mr., we can't come inside your car unless you tell us it's okay. Let mm. us in. And so, <laughs> I mean, at that point, uh, I mean, what what can you do? But, I mean, th- I threw the car in reverse, got out of there as quickly as I could, stole a look in the rearview mirror. I couldn't see them. They were, they were It was like they just vanished. Barry Taff, parapsychologist and paranormal researcher. What I've seen over the course of my 45 years of work has been a really interesting pattern. We've learned that all these types of phenomena, especially the, the psychokinetic type, the physical type, seem to be the result of many things working together in just the right way at the right time for to, to produce a given result. Um, one is the environment, and geoma- electromagnetically, geomagnetically anomalous or active. Two is a person or persons in said environment that are hypersensitive to it. And uh, here's the here's the real clincher: the majority of the people I've worked with, met over the last 45 years, who turned out to be poltergeist agents, most, if not all of them, have been either seizure prone or some for, from temporal lobe epilepsy. Barb Shoup, Bigfoot witness and evidence collector. So we kept walking, and it was maybe just another 100 feet or so that I heard all this crashing behind me. And I turned and I looked, and here come the whole herd of elk down off the hill and and over the road and uh, through the woods on my left. And just as they went by, I saw something behind them, and I kind of focused in on it and thought, Gorilla? We don't have, oh, my God, it's Bigfoot. Yeah, that was the big one. He was, uh, I would estimate it somewhere between uh, 9 and 10 feet tall. It had jet black hair that grew away from the face, but it really didn't have any hair on the face. Just real pale skin, a huge, massive jaw, kind of a a flat uh, nose, ape-like nose and mouth, and Mm -hmm. uh, very deep-set dark eyes, a really heavy brow ridge. And where we have a forehead above our brow, you know, that that goes straight up, this, it went straight back. And it had, like, these bony ridges going up the side of the head that in between it it gave it, made it look like it was almost sunken in, in between, right over the eyes. And then uh, it, just this huge cone and uh, no neck, the head seemed to come right out of the shoulders, and uh, it was big. Jeffrey Keene, 
past life researcher. I believe we have spirit guides. I believe there are angels. Uh, I believe in God, a mother God along with a father God. I believe there's a female aspect of God. Uh, uh, intuition. Uh, as far as what's the definition of, of reincarnation, really, because when we die, I don't believe we really die, so we don't keep continuing living and dying and living and dying. It's okay. one continuous lifetime. It's from our start, and I believe we're eternal creatures, and we and uh, we go on forever. So there is never really a death. <laughs> okay. Keep going. You may now to answer your question as far as reincarnating back on Earth. Right. And I know some people get upset with that because, you know, there's other, I believe there's other planes of existence, whether they're just different levels in our stratosphere or whatever, all these things that the scientists have come up with are just amazing. Mm-hmm. But there are other planets, other universes and stuff like that. Other, a lot of people just concentrate here. They just keep their minds too small and they don't expand it. But I believe there's other levels, other planets and places that we can go and learn. And I don't think... I think we have a lot of input into okay. our lives. And if there's something we need to learn in the physical, it will come back into And there's a lot of reasons for coming back and living again. It may be something you need to learn. You may owe somebody something. Somebody may owe you. Uh, like Shakespeare said, we're all actors on the stage. We're all players and so on. Well, a lot of times you come back with the same people and work with them. You know, you may have to reciprocate and help them out in their, their travels, just like... I believe through life there's different triggers and different mm-hmm. people and events and things that happen that will guide us in a certain direction. And of course, having free will, we can always <laughs> head the opposite <laughs> direction and so we get straightened out and turn back around. But uh, uh, So I believe you can keep coming back if you want to forever and ever, or you never have to come back. And that wraps up our guest highlights. Now what we'd like to do is play a few skits and promos that our Paranormal Underground Radio team has put together in the past. We like to have a little fun at times, and so we thought we'd bring these out and play them again for you. So here we go. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Guy Who Wants His Own Paranormal TV Show. Mr. Guy Who Wants His Own Paranormal Show. You wear your beans with pride and your t-shirt three sizes too small, even though you have the body of a 98-pound video game nerd. Every location you visit may have a gift shop with thousands of visitors, but somehow you still get possessed by something evil. You're dragging me straight to hell. It may look like a bug to the rest of the world, but to you it's a demonic orb. And it wants to eat your soul. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, Mr. Overly Dramatic. Your acting may not be all that great, but you sure look awesome every time you see yourself in the mirror. The guy wants his own paranormal show. Bud was your beer, and Esther Bush, St. Louis, Missouri. That little fun skit was produced by Karen Frazier. And the voices you heard in the skit were actually Karen's husband, Jim Frazier, as well as Wade West. This next little fun promo is one that Karen, Jim, and Burt Coates put together for the show. Check it out. Paranormal Underground presents The Adventures of the World's Most Fascinating... 
Paranormal Investigator. 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 He never gets possessed by demons. He possesses them. Even angels line up to eat his soul. Native American burial grounds want him to build his home on top of them. God often ponders if he exists. Even Disney got in on the action. They built the haunted mansion just so he would come investigate it. He is the world's most fascinating paranormal investigator. I don't always have time to listen to the radio, but when I do, it's Paranormal Underground Radio. Be fascinating. Listen to Paranormal Underground Radio on ztalkradio.com. Thursdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Stay spooky, my friends. And this last one is a favorite of mine. It's Karen having a little fun with an American Idol audition. I'd like to do a song of great social and political import. It goes a little something like this. Oh, Lord, give me hot sauce to help wash my twin down. Things will be better, Lord, when he's not around in the womb. I will eat him now, Lord, don't you frown. Cause then mom can buy me that birthday clown. Oh Lord, make him tasty like chicken or fish. Being an only child is my fondest wish. So please won't you bring me some rice on a dish. So I can eat him cause he looks delish. Oh Lord, please keep my dead twin away from me. I think I can feel him when I take a pee, or he could be in my left nut, but it's really hard to see. All I know is I ate him, and now he haunts me. Everybody, oh Lord, give me hot sauce to help wash my twin down. Things will be better, Lord, when he's not around in the womb. I will eat him now, Lord, don't you frown, because then mom can buy me that birthday clown. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I think you just killed my favorite song of all time. Killed in a good way or a bad way? Right, well, listen, killing is never good. Killing is never good. <laughs> There's never a happy killing. No, I mean, that was first degree on that one. I can do it again if you just give me another chance. It was dreadful. No, no, really dreadful. Um, and I'm saying that to be kind because you will never, ever, ever have a career in singing. I don't believe you. I'm telling you. I don't believe you. I'm telling you. Well, you can tell me all you want, but I won't believe you. Remember these words that you're not a singer. You just don't know good singing when you hear it. Not in a billion years. There are only so many words I can drag out of my vocabulary to say how awful that was. You tell me I can't sing, judges. I can sing, I can sing just fine, you fucking piece of shit. Old judges. I'm a good singer. I show you I'm going to be famous someday, and you're going to just fucking eat your words. Welcome back to our special 300th episode celebration of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. 
and I am Patrick Keller, and I'm here with the normal folks that you're used to hearing on Paranormal Underground normal, Radio. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, don't be throwing that word around, buddy. Nor, normal in quotes is, <laughs> is what we're going to say. There we go. And uh, we are so glad to have everybody with us. Again, the, the chat room is full and on fire, so that's pretty cool. We're going to finish up with a few... Uh, by the way, we are so not getting to everyone's questions. There's so many listeners that submitted questions, so we want to thank everyone who did, but we've tried to get to as many as possible. We do have a great one, by the way, that came in the chat room just a few minutes ago while you were listening to clips. And uh, so I want to ask that one. Phil Summers says, I have a question. Paranormal Underground Radio, have you ever had a skeptic on this show that absolutely was so skeptic? That they, I'm going to say the word parsed, that they parsed you right off. Well, so yeah, we had this one, I can't remember his name, but he went by Ghostbox Kid, and he just absolutely infuriated me. Just He was just a real tool. <laughs> by the way, for those of you listening, I believe Phil Summers is the Ghostbox Kid! Ooh, burn! Um, on, burn! Honestly, um... <laughs> No, we haven't. We've, we've, uh, you know, we've had, we've, no, because our job is to let people share their opinions and tell their stories. And it's not about us and our opinions and our stories, in my opinion. (laughs) I I, I agree with my opinion on that, too. I do agree. My opinion would be the same as your opinion, that it's, uh, you shouldn't have an opinion like that. Yep. Okay. I agree. 100%. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you go. But there is a place for skeptics Uh in the paranormal. Absolutely. Definitely. For Absolutely. sure. We've even, you know, I said probably the only person who could come on here that was a total skeptic that would anger me is uh, James Randy, who seems closed-minded. But Cheryl pointed out we've had him in the magazine. <laughs> and he didn't really tick me off. I mean, people are entitled to their beliefs. And as long as they don't push it on me, I'm good. Well, I do have to say, like like I mentioned earlier, I was surprised at the question. The, one of the first questions we had was, you know, anything that you've been skeptical about that you've heard on the show. And yeah. I expected to hear... You know, some some skeptical responses to that, but we didn't. Yeah, it's because it's not about us. The show no. isn't, as much as I joke about the show being about me, right. um, the show well, isn't is. about us. It's, it's about, well, it is, but it's yes, not. Yes, it is. It's, it's, about our, it's about our listeners, and it's about mm-hmm. our guests, and our guests have a story to share. And um, I see my job as not injecting my opinion, as not pushing myself on them, but just in drawing out their story. That's Mm -hmm. my job. Yeah. And I mean, who are we to judge other people's experiences? I mean, I have experiences. I tell people and they'd roll their eyes and say, you're nuts. Yeah, I know. Several people in my family think I'm just a crazy woman. Um, So who am I (laughs) to think somebody else is a crazy person? Exactly. Because, I mean, being skeptical just means uh, holding some doubt or reservation on something. You know, you're looking for some kind of affirmation or something like that. But, you know, and and there's the people who just want to bash. I don't. I don't think the the bashing people are you know if there's calling those skeptics. We don't have the bashers on the show. No, 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 no. There you go. No bashers. Speaking of crazy person, my bow tie is itchy and nobody can see me right now. So (laughs) I'm I'm taking it off. Oh, I still still have my tiara on. By the way, I took my hat off. It was itchy. I'm holding my wand. Well, but you can't lose your yeah. magical powers if you if you take that off. You just won't have as much power. So it's funny. Yeah. I'm holding my wand too. <laughs> Before we go to the next question, can I just mention something really quickly? No. You. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, 
Okay, go ahead, go ahead, I guess. All right, so uh, my husband Jim has just joined the chat room, and I just wanted to mention, because this is a man for who, the last, who for the last seven years has allowed me to uh, take Thursday nights away, Thursday nights where I don't cook dinner for him, Thursday nights where we can't go do anything, and uh, an incredibly supportive person. And he's been part of the show as much as anybody else. You've heard me talk about Techie McSciansky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just wanted to mention while he's listening that, um, you know, thanks for seven years of letting me take every Thursday night. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Ignore the, ignore the crap out of you. Yeah. And I got to meet him, and he's an awesome, he's a really, he was really nice to me. He's a very awesome guy. Yeah. I haven't met you, Jim, but Jim, you rock. <laughs> you rock, dude. All right. Next. All right. So yep. we have a question from Jack Kenna. Hey, Jack. I know that guy. I know Hi, that guy. Jack. Hi, Jack. Jack. So there is so much equipment shown and used on these paranormal TV shows, and some of it is very expensive. As an investigator, how do I know what is worth investing money into and what is not? How do I even know it works at all? Well, (laughs) I am going to take myself out of this because, as Uh I have said over the years, I'm not allowed to touch equipment. All right. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, I guess I'm in then. That's a, that's a that's a tricky question because basically, as an investigator, I think, and it's it's it sounds corny, but I mean, basically, the most important tool you have is yourself. Going into the situation um, and trying to read it as a person is the most important thing first. I mean, there's there's so many different things out there that you can buy, you can purchase. Um, true, there's lots of ways of finding out how they work. Like we had, uh, we've done the Paranormal Run magazines, done like equipment specials where you can get in there and people that actually use them will we'll talk about them i mean you can go and talk to other investigators in the field or people that you know to see what they like to use uh, and get a consensus for you know what seems to work the best but i i mean i have a lot of flashy gadgets because i you know i'm a guy and i like flashy gadgets but i mean basically for me i i, I like to stick to old school stuff still like just basic recorder you know a basic camera basic recorder um i think it's important that Pen and pencil, you know, pen and pencil, uh, pen and, and a paper, you know, I mean, you know, writing the things down, taking the notes, taking the time. Um, I think that's more important than just all the, the flashy stuff, you know, because if you're just running around to everything that's flashing and going off, you're not really paying attention to what's going on, you know, and lots of times, like they say, too, if your stuff's going off all over and you're looking at all this stuff flying, you could be missing something that's going right by you. So I think less is more as far as I'm concerned. Well, this came up when you guys interviewed me recently, and I remember us talking about this and that the technology and computers, it just in the world in general is moving so fast. And in the paranormal world, it goes so fast, it's hard to keep mm-hmm. up with it. And I think well, people yeah. feel pressured to keep mm-hmm. keep up with it all. Uh, and maybe you know. we shouldn't have that pressure. No, I you do should, have you something should. to add, actually. Yeah. Would you like to Go know ahead. what that is? So yes, I ma'am. tell people, I tell people this all the time, and I, I really believe this is true. If you are busy focusing on equipment, then you might miss what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. As I was saying, yeah, that's, 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 just, that's a true statement. Yes, sir. I just feel like it's 
there's no problem with using the equipment, but you have to make sure you know how to use it because that's a problem with people. They go in there and they don't know what they're doing, and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. what's going on here? And so they need to learn how to use it if they're going to use equipment. Yes. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, yeah, take the time to, you know, and that's why I say less is more and just take a few things and, and get them down and understand what they do and what they don't do because most people think, oh, this is paranormal equipment, so it's going to tell me everything that's paranormal, and that's not true. It might be just collecting environmental data, uh, you know, other things that then, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, you walk around the machine and say, oh, that's a ghost. Okay, it's telling me it's a ghost. You know, that's, that's not how that is. Either. Wait, are you saying that ghost radar doesn't show no, you where ghosts I'm, are? I'm oh, I'm man. sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, man. That's has really good little bleeps and stuff, though. And All right. And stuff. I like that. Yeah. Have we answered it to your satisfaction? I think we have. Okay, I think so. Well, I have to say, Mr. Bob Fountain has, <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go go back to my uh, high school um, speech and drama and, and do my best dramatic reading of this fabulous, lengthy Bob Fountain question. So <laughs> sit back, have a festive beverage, uh-huh. and uh, here we go. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. So here we go. From Bob Fountain. Thank you, Bob Fountain. In metaphysics, as well as some spiritual teachings... It is thought that all that has ever been or has ever happened is in fact all happening at once because linear time is an illusion. With this in mind, and if you believe in reincarnation, there is no reason why you have to reincarnate on a linear timeline. Thus, this life is the now. The next life may be in the future, and the life after that may be in the past. Could that explain why many inventors, and that's in quotations, have come up with world-changing inventions which defied conventional wisdom and who are often quoted as saying it came to them in a dream or just popped in their heads? Are these inventors reincarnated from a future life where their ideas and inventions are commonplace and they are simply remembering what they've learned what they learned in a future life? Or are these concepts available to anyone capable of attuning to them or both? Furthermore, does a, furthermore, does a higher consciousness monitor what is allowed to be remembered? And when, for example, there's an example, was (laughs) the atomic bomb allowed to be made to direct the evolution of mankind by making world wars too risky to be fought. And and that's it, right? That's it. I turned the page up. There was more. There you go. All right. Go ahead, yes. Karen. You're just going to answer this one. My cranium hurts. Go ahead. I, I did. Yes. Mm, yes. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> My cranium hurts. So, yeah. I mean, anything is possible. I can't answer it as far as knowledge, but, uh, um, oh, mm-hmm. crap. I know. See? Uh, Edgar Casey talked about the collective consciousness and how everything that has ever been known will ever be known is already out there, and we tap into it. And so I think, um, I think, yeah, I think that perhaps it might be. It, it's it comes from the collective consciousness. I know I've had, I've awakened um, from dreams, or just awakened and known stuff, or had stuff come to me in a flash. And I think that that comes from from the cosmic soup that we all come from and that we're still connected to nice nicely done thank you you're welcome anyone top, else top that chuck 
No way. I, I, I'm telling you, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. You know, yeah. I don't. Well, I think. Well, I think there's a. I mean, there's a higher power, right? I mean, there's a higher. Yeah, I believe in God or whatever oneness, whatever you want to call it. And I think that. Yeah, we don't get all the answers. I don't think that's that part of it. I can tell you, but as far as anything else, it's, I think Karen answered it fine. Chad has an answer. Chad, go. Some Take a Chad. Believe in something called the Akashic Record, which is like a mm-hmm. gathering of all knowledge throughout the. Human I history. believe in that. That people I've been tap there. into. Um, as far as what we remember, I think our uh, our own higher self is in charge of what we remember for previous lives, only allowing us, you know, basically to remember the uh, that which can help us grow spiritually. Good answer. Good job, ding, bad ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that's that was number talk. one answer. Right. And the winner is <laughs> Jed Wilson. Hundred people surveyed the top answer. <laughs> <laughs> Bing! Those Cupcakes. Pictures. No, I'm just, I just, I that just Cupcakes. popped out of my brain. I don't know. <laughs> Stop that. He was playing the family feud, I think. Oh, God, yeah. I, <laughs> so um, I know that um, actually one of the questions also that was sent in mentioned paranormal TV shows. And it's one of the, the hmm. popular questions that I get as well. And so I, I know it's kind of one thing that, that a couple of you have been thinking about and, and, you know, rolling around in your head. I think, Cheryl, for sure, you had um, a list yeah. of paranormal TV shows that are your favorites. I do. And actually, I told you, you only had five out of ten. <laughs> wow, sure. I could only come up with four. I, I'm a huge paranormal TV fan. I have to be honest with you. I like most of them in some way or another, but I did create a top 10 list. I'll go down, down re- real quick and the next person can go. Sightings. A Haunting. Mm. In Search Of. That's an oldie but a goodie. The Haunting Of with Kim Russo. The Dead Files, of course. Paranormal Witness. Destination Truth. The Haunted. Most Haunted. And Ghost Adventures. Oh, very good. That's my 10. There right. are quite a few of those I've never even uh, watched, I don't think. I've got yeah. some homework. Yeah. I recommend yeah. them. Yeah. There you go. We can put those in the magazine, too. Yeah. So Chuck, next? did you have shows? Me? Did you have a list? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have like, I well, yeah, I'm like, sure, I'm a I'm a paranormal TV junkie, you know. But I mean, and like I, you know, I, I know most of it is, is for entertainment purposes, but I do enjoy them. Um, I have like seven that I really liked. Uh, my, my favorite, really, of all time was Ghost Minds. I really, I really... For some reason, I really liked it a lot. Uh, My parents really love that one. Yeah, I was. I like the I like the mining aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Ghost Hunters, of course. Um, Though I think it's kind of like worn its welcome out. Um, Destination Truth with Josh Gates was great. I loved that. Um, There was one called Haunted Highway. Uh, It was uh, Jack Osborne Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that was really good. It was very short because you know he's he's had some uh, health issues. But for what they did with it, it was extremely interesting and very well put together. Um, There was a show called Psychic Kids, um, Mm -hmm. which I really liked a lot. Jim Coffee, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really found that to be really fascinating. I've watched that over and over. Uh, Of course, sightings, you know, because that's it's sightings, you know. Come on. And then um, there's a new show on called Ghost of Shepherdstown, which I'm finding to be very interesting. And the way they put it together, it's kind of unique on a spin on how, you know, like it's a lot of shows, they seem to mirror the same. This is more of a a town that's haunted where the police and village uh, brought these guys, you know, it's Nick Roth from Ghost Adventures. He brought him into try to figure out why all this activity is building up in the, in the town and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I found that to be, I find it to be really interesting. So those are mine. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you. Well, who, who hasn't Karen, well, you haven't, haven't gone. Yeah. 
Okay, so I don't watch a lot of paranormal television. So I'll start by saying that. Um, but my list is actually probably pretty much like everybody else's. I like sightings. Sightings when I was a kid. That show was so exciting to me because it was the only thing like it that I'd ever seen. And it made me not feel like a crazy person. Uh, so I liked sightings. I like ghost mine, but I might be a little bit prejudiced because my friend Jay Verber is on. <laughs> so, uh, but no, actually before I met Jay, I, I, you know, I, it, it's, uh, I like the mining part, the ghost part. Yeah. But the mining part was really cool. But I also like shows like, um, the crab boat guys. What's that one called? Oh, Deadliest no. Catch. Deadliest yeah. Catch. Deadliest yeah. Catch. Yeah. So I like shows about jobs. Um, Anyway, the ghost inside my child, I like a lot. That's the reincarnation one. Unsolved Mysteries used to have, again, back in the day, they had all like little paranormal segments. I liked that. And um, I just added this because I had forgotten, but I used to love Destination Truth because it was just fun. Yes, it was. Yeah. Fun. Yes. You know, I always hear people talking about sightings, and I just I was not a paranormal nerd at that time in my life, and I feel like I've isn't that that's out on like DVD or something, probably. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Probably. I mean, I always hear people talking about that, so I I definitely need to. I don't know if you find that on DVD. I mean, there was like maybe the best of. I I have some that I actually taped from television. I still have them on. I put them on DVD. Oh my gosh, you're kidding me! No, I think I there's a special ones. collection. The Sally Chuck. House and stuff, you know? Yeah, uh-huh. like they had the Sally House one, and there's a couple of the. Yeah, I I made sure I I kept those, so I have those. But as far as um like nonfiction. Or like uh, fiction, like, uh, you know, not real paranormal shows mm-hmm. or not reality TV. I liked Six Feet Under, and it had a paranormal element. Oh, my gosh. That's my favorite series of all time. Yeah, I loved Six Feet Under. And I've yeah. seen the whole series, like, at least two and a half times. Mm-hmm. I've run down the whole thing. Like hey, Chad, did, you, did Chad, Chad have, a, have list? a list? Actually, I want to go off script a little bit. Okay. I was thinking about it. And wasn't there a show called... Project Blue Book. Uh, there was a book called Project Blue Book, Stanton Friedman. I think there's actually a show. Okay. I'm going to look and, it up. Uh, that would be one of mine. And then, um, of course, uh, In Search of Sightings, uh, Ghost Hunters, the early years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Dead Files. And then really like Destination Truth because it was kind of like a mixture of cryptids and UFOs and ghosts, g- ghosts and everything. And it was just fun. Yeah. It was just a fun show. Didn't take itself too seriously. Can no. I throw two new ones out there? Yeah. Have, you guys, yeah. have you guys watched um, either The Hollywood Medium or Paranormal Lockdown? Mm-mm. Yes, I watched The Hollywood Medium. Either. I am loving Hollywood Medium. I think that mm-hmm. kid is so fascinating yeah. Yeah, and young is. and hip. And yep. then Nick Groff's Paranormal Lockdown, I feel like... They have kind of um, it's it's a more of a mature ghost adventures with like more seriousness added to it. I think. Yeah, um, Nick's been a guest on the show a couple times. I we love Nick. Nick's great. Yeah, I, I'm really digging it. I think I'm I'm quite a, uh, a few episodes behind, but I'm really liking that show. Oh, somebody mentioned Paranormal Factor Faked. Yes, I forgot all oh, about yes. that show. Yeah, I forgot but about that had, too. We had Ben on the show. We yeah, had cool. um, Patrick on. Patrick? No. Uh, Bill Murphy. Bill, been on the Bill show Murphy Bill. on the yeah, show. Yeah, Bill. Ben Hansen. Um, and yeah, we. I, I actually really liked that show. I liked what they did. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It was like kind of MythBusters, and I like MythBusters. So. Well, go. cool. There you go. Yeah. I want to know. 
I mean, I know that, um, you know, Cheryl, you're going to come on later and you're going to tell us, you know, what's coming um, in the in, you know, the next couple of episodes of Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. But mm-hmm. like, seriously, what what if you put your intuition head on in another 300 episodes? Oh, my God. God. Like, w- how do you picture these 600 episode special, you know, event? W- what do you picture? Well, happen- we're going to be. Uh, Really, really old. Yeah, I was just saying. You like, you like this. Hey, Carrie, no how you doing? Blackouts <laughs> during the Celebration 600 show. Well, won't we <laughs> oh be like, like holograms or something? Hey, you never know. Oh. It could happen. Yeah, we could be in like little wheelchairs with my little IV going, okay, welcome to Panama. We hey, we could be broadcasting from, from Mars for all we know. Whoa. <laughs> oh my oh, God, Charles is going to say the same thing. I swear to yeah, God. Yeah, just say that. <laughs> what if we were like Sorry. heads in jars? <gasps> well, <laughs> I'd want to be next Actually, <laughs> in seven years, honestly, in seven years, I'm only going to be 57, which isn't that old. So, all kidding aside, you know. I I, uh, I don't know. As long as we can keep it fresh and interesting, I, I could have another seven years in me of doing the show. Seven years. You could do oh it. My... I could see it happening. I've been in my 60s. What are you talking about? Come on. Teresa West, says, <laughs> Teresa West says, how has your view of the paranormal changed or grown over the span of the show? <laughs> Or oh the mag God. magazine or the forum. <laughs> and has anything pertaining to Paranormal Underground expanded your own ideas? And you, have you had any experiences during this seven-year journey that uh, cements or contradicts your beliefs? Oh, my. I have and what's so funny? Have. I, I, you know, I've written books about it. So, um, yes, everything has changed. I, Cheryl will tell you when I started out, I was pretty skeptical. Yeah. Uh, I was not, I wouldn't say I was a non-believer, but I just, my critical brain was always at the forefront. Um, I wasn't open to my own psychic abilities. I was open to everybody else's, but not my own. Um, I wasn't sure I believed in ghosts. I wanted to. And everything has changed, and Paranormal Underground has been a big part of that because I have had the opportunity through Paranormal Underground, the radio show, the magazine, um, and just through Cheryl's encouragement in the books that I've written and Chad's encouragement, things like that, to um, really explore these things and kind of come into myself. And I've also realized that um, there are a lot of weirdos out there just like me. Who believe the things I do, and it's okay. It's uh, it's uh, paranormal underground has really what it has allowed me to do is come out of the paranormal closet and just be who I am and let my freak flag fly. Well, let's just discuss how much the paranormal has changed in general since you guys started this show. I mean, it's changed a <laughs> it's, lot. It's changed a lot. It's become very mainstream. We started out, so we actually started out on a little website called Ghost Dose. Many years ago, uh, like 10 years ago, Cheryl, you think? And before that, on the, uh, the sci-fi oh, yeah, probably 10, 10 years centers. Ago, yeah. And, you know, nobody was talking about this. And it was still just really this kind of new nebulous thing that it was okay to talk about. And um, so there were a group of us. And, and Cheryl uh, said, hey, I want to do this magazine. And uh, thank goodness she did because it's been life-changing. Here's the thing. I when when Chad and I came up with the concept of the magazine, we thought, okay, 
this would be a good way to get more information out there about not only people's personal experiences, but how to use equipment or what's available or, you know, who's on TV doing investigations, anything and everything. It's changed so much that when we first started doing the magazine, I didn't tell my family I was doing the magazine. Or mm-hmm. Oh, God, no. I didn't either. tell most of my friends I was doing a paranormal <laughs> radio show or magazine. And because of why? Because I was maybe afraid of some backlash, judgment. some yeah. some judgment. And and these days, I don't tell anybody and everybody. That's how much things have changed in the last 10 years. Yeah. And, awesome. um, yeah, so it's changed in media. It's, I mean, even on the news, they'll tackle some paranormal stories every now and then, you know, and it's, it's, it's good. It's good that they do that. I wish we could, you know, talk about the paranormal 24 seven, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Chucky G, what's it been like for you? I mean, you started talking about it a little bit earlier, you know, coming into it from a listener of the show to being a host. So I'm sure you've grown a lot just in that aspect. I think he found out that Cheryl and I are a lot bitchier than he thought we might be. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Actually, I mean, all right. So as a a listener, it was was just fascinating because I could hear other people talk about things that I believed in myself. Kind of, you know, the same thing with Cameron's talking about. Um, And then being allowed, being allowed to come into the pug family, because to me, it really is a family. I mean, it's it's more than just the. The paranormal. It's more than just the uh, the people, the guests we have on the show, uh, but the camaraderie and the connection between Cheryl and Chad and and Karen has just been amazing to me. And for me also, I have to say that by being on the show and talking to all these diverse people that have all these different thought processes and stuff, some of the stuff just goes whoosh, right over my head. Um, I came in it from a standpoint of I'm just a, a paranormal investigator. You know, I got my equipment, and this is how I do it, and I collect my data. And I do believe in life after death because I, I, I've had my own experiences when I was a kid, and that's what got me into it. And then when I came into the other side, which I didn't think I would be in the other side of giving, uh, getting my gifts as a psychic, which is still weird for me in, in, a, in a certain respect, but being allowed to – to see that side of it and for me myself inside to grow and connect to that and to know that I'm not crazy and that, you know, this stuff really does happen and other people uh, have connected with me and are are seeing the same thing and, uh, you know, kind of backing me up on what I'm feeling. Yeah. My, my whole view of the, the field in itself has done like a total 360 and come all the way around to a whole different, a whole different way of looking at things. So I, I, I do appreciate the fact that I've had the chance and the honor to be part of it all, really. And it's been fun watching you grow and change. Chuck, I know that there have been some growing pains along the way. But yes. the Chuck that I met back in 2012 when the world was supposed to come to an end is <laughs> very the different. the world got weird. I know. It's very different than the Chuck I know now. Yes. Yes, that's yeah. true. It's very true. Well, let's finish this segment out with something fun. Like, I want to know, can you think of a few really super like knee slapping funny moments that have happened in 300 episodes, like maybe on nights like tonight when Skype goes down and people get oh. sent to paranormal, paranormal, parallel universes. Uh, the Dybbuk many- box. Anytime the Dybbuk yeah. box, Jason is on. It's just a comedy of errors. Um, then when we were, what was, was it on hazy or Z talk Cheryl, when they told us that what, whatever we did, we couldn't drop an F bomb. And of course, 
Uh, other than Zach Bagans, I did it. Yes. Um, <laughs> the F-bomb <laughs> moment was classic. Yeah, I mean, because as soon as it came out, I was like, oh! and I almost said it again. <laughs> uh-huh. And then I remember the time we were talking about Chipmunk and you couldn't pronounce Chipmunk. I still love chipmunk. that part. I just still can't. Yeah. Chipmunk. Here we go again. Yeah. And and Cheryl wasn't, Cheryl, you weren't on. It was Clarissa, right? That was producing. Yeah, that was the one show Cheryl didn't do. Clarissa said she had to shut her mic off because she was laughing so hard because we were arguing about how you say chipmunk for like I don't know how long. Oh, no, I know I say it wrong. I just can't say it. It was wonderful. I am sure if I try to put myself in Cheryl and Chad's shoes when you're on the other end and you're not really in the show and you can laugh at everything and you can talk up, you know, you can kind of roll your eyes and talk about people that are on the show. I want to hear some good, uh, you know, dirt from that side of the show. Ooh. I want to I wanna hear it too. Go ahead, guys. I mean, I mean, do you have some of those moments where, I don't know, where, they where you sh- they want to shut our mic <laughs> off? You left the room and you forgot a show was happening or, you know. The only thing I can think of is when we uh, were doing a show, I think it was our first, and me and Cheryl, it cut out on us and we got mad. And the door slammed. I was slammed. like running around slamming doors and, <laughs> and it was actually recording the whole what? thing. What? So. We were so much mad at each other. We're mad at the technical difficulties, and we're like, "How are we gonna get? How are we gonna make this work?" And then Chad's like, "Well, just turn it off." And I'm like, "No, we can't just turn it off." It was all on the air. And then it was all on the air. It was. (laughs) He went went in the other room and slammed the door. I'm like, "Well." (laughs) Have Have you ever been on the air on one of the one of the breaks? Oh, probably. And you didn't realize it. Yeah, sure. That happened. Oh no! Come on, you have. You have a lot yeah. of those moments, Cheryl, you know, where Usually you're like. Would, was when the show would cut off and we thought we were off the air and we'd actually still be on the air. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And, and, and come on, we were just talking about how many times, how many times, Cheryl, have you said, uh, or we're talking off air and you're, we're totally getting into the conversation and we're supposed to come back on air and we're like, oh my God. You know what oh, I mean? yeah, that oh, crap. Every show. Oh, crap. Uh, Three, two, one, go. <laughs> yes. Oh, I've got to tell you real quickly before we go into um, our, our interview with a guy, Lamb Playfair. Honestly, some of the best moments we've had have been when we've been off the air and in between. We have some really interesting conversations when we're off there. Uh, just the few times I've been uh-huh. in here, I can say uh-huh. that for sure. Yes, yeah. we do. If only they could hear us. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just about that time to take you to um, – I'm so very excited to hear this. I've talked to Guyline Playfair, and I was shaking as I was talking to him because he is is such a cool – figure in the paranormal world and i just love to spend a day with him so i can't wait to hear it myself but there is a 50 minute pre-recorded interview that you you did this interview right chucky g yes uh, <laughs> i got to talk to the guy he was really he's really cool man he's a funny he's guy so too. cool he's funny and uh but yeah we're gonna be back around the last 10 minutes of the show and i think cheryl's gonna fill us in on What's you know gonna be happening next? What's coming up What's in the next? Beyond three hundred. Yeah. So here we go with the. Uh, I guess we're ready, Cheryl. We are ready. All right. Here we go with the interview with Guy Lion Playfair. We'll be back. Welcome. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. I'm Mick Salar. This is a special one-on-one guest interview with Guy Lion 
Playfair. He is the author of many books, including This House is Haunted. Uh, he's also the member of the Society for Psychical Research, a freelance journalist and photographer, as well as co-collaborator with Maurice Gross, Maurice Gross sorry, on the Enfield Poltergeist case from 1977. Welcome, Guy. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. So I, 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 I kind of want to just go over, I mean, most people know what the case was about, so, but I would just like to uh, kind of go over the summary of it really quick. Uh, that the summary events was it was a rented out council house flat in Enfield, North London, where a single parent by the name of Peggy Hodgson with four children lived. Um, mm-hmm. She had four children. She had Janet, Margaret, Johnny, and Billy. They were four children. Um, and it's when I read, it started off with like the beds moving and stuff like that and then turned into knockings and went forward. But I'm kind of curious is when did you become part of the the case? I mean, how did you come into being part of it? Well, everything happened very quickly. Um, I actually got there within a week of the first incident because it was in the um, Daily Mirror newspaper, got the story and got it onto the front page. And um, I was just preparing to go off on holiday for the first time in two years. And I was pretty worn out after writing another book and um, the last thing I wanted was it was another case to, to work on and um, my colleague Maurice Gross had got there first and, and um, he, he announced at a meeting of the Society for Psychical Research that he'd appreciate some help and uh, we have a kind of tradition in the SPR that if um, any member needs help, we we give it to them. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't I couldn't really get out of that, and right. I didn't realize it was uh, going to be fourteen months and not not a couple of days. Right, exactly. Now they said that uh, it, it's it actually uh, there are some interesting facts to the case um, where uh, a lot of things were seen by police officers and uh, you know very uh, you know people that had a lot of validity to them. Um, uh, were, were was that stuff like was it was it was it was it like you know affidated it down and you know uh, re- recorded and stuff for the things that they saw uh, to the case well the police um constable uh, uh, woman she was there on the first day mm-hmm. and she witnessed a chair sliding along the floor on its own which she thought was rather interesting and uh, we persuaded her to give us a written statement um, we didn't actually have a tape, tape recorder handy, but we, we asked her if she would say, describe what she saw, mm-hmm. and she did, and she signed it, and I quoted that in the, in the book, and then uh, a few days later, I saw exactly the same thing myself, a chair just, just moving on its own, wow. which is quite an impressive sight, really, I mean, it's... Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you're always told all these sort of funny stories about hidden threads, and well, there weren't any hidden threads, sorry, because even if there were, there was nobody to pull them. Mm-hmm. So that, there goes that theory. And that was a pretty good start. So from then on, I realized that this was not a um, hoax or a practical joke or anything else. Mm-hmm. The family were absolutely scared stiff. They were terrified. Mm-hmm. And why would they fake that? Yeah, right, exactly. Well, that was kind of yeah. like some, that was, that was, that was uh, some of my uh, questioning was, 
was going to ask, you know, like when we were talking 1977, 1978, I mean, it wasn't like, um, you know, main, like, you know, uh, everything now is mainstream with the paranormal and such. Uh, that wasn't mainstream then. It wasn't like, you know, you wanted people to uh, put their attention to you. Uh, with that kind of activity, you know, so and it wasn't like they were getting any monetary gain from it either. So, um, I mean, when it when it all first started, the very first thing, I mean, who was the first person to be brought in to it? And I mean, how did was it just because the the mom didn't understand what was going on and these things started occurring that then she went and contacted someone to bring them in? Was it was Maurice the first person, or was there uh, someone else? Or? No, the the first was the neighbor, oh. uh, Vic. Uh, next door neighbor who was a builder and a pretty tough fellow, you know, not the kind who scares easily. Right. And he, he specialized in doing roofs, uh, roof repairs. So he was, he was accustomed to doing pretty hard work. And he also knew, knew all about building. And, uh, he, he came around and immediately heard knocking on the wall. Uh, <clears throat> since the other side of the wall was his own house, he knew he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And nobody else was except his wife, who was with him, and so he he was totally satisfied immediately, and uh, he he gave a, he did a very thorough search because he knew all about mice in the attic and about uh, plumbing, making funny rattling noises, which mine does every day, incidentally. And um, <laughs> yeah, so you know we're not stupid around here; we we know what to look for. Right. And um, uh, Vic, the, the neighbour, was was a very solid character. I mean, he he was a real. Uh, sort of, um, well, somebody you wouldn't mess with, and and he and he he was also a very skilled builder. He knew he knew his um, his engineering and his architecture, and he, he if there had been any kind of normal explanation, he would have found it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I find it interesting too because you know, I know you. Uh, I don't know if you still write, but you wrote for the website uh, spe- uh, skepticalinvestigations.org. So. You know, you going in there and being a uh, you know a skeptic and seeing these things happening in front of you. I mean, what was that like to you? Um, <laughs> well, uh, skeptical investigations has changed its name. It's now called Skeptical About Skeptics. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and um, that was actually a very clever um, <clears throat> um, scheme devised by my friend uh, Rupert Sheldrake who's had trouble with these so-called skeptics before and he started a website which was deliberately designed to lure people in thinking it was a a sort of debunking one whereas in fact its purpose was to debunk the skeptics and it worked (laughs) very well yeah it was quite fun that it it was (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting I really enjoyed that and it's uh, as I say it's now called um, skeptical about skeptics Oh, and it's got a lot of very good stuff on it. It specializes in showing up these sort of um, famous uh, media debunkers with a bunch of phonies that they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know because you had like you had stage magicians going in there and other people going in there saying, "Hey, you know, this is all you know pre uh, prefabricated and stuff like that." And I mean, when I when I when I've been reading, you know, about the case and all the different things that were happening, it's like. Um, I know at one point they had talked about uh, the girls saying they had fabricated some of the stuff or it, it, it added fuel to the fire, I guess, because, you know, it's, you're in the media, you know, you want, you want to keep things going, you know, um, uh, and maybe attention or whatever. But, I mean, everything always starts from something, you know what I mean? Uh, so, what do you... Well, what? look, I mean, any, anybody listening who's ever had 
teenage girls, and I guess quite a lot of you have, yes. you must know perfectly <laughs> well that when they're small, they, they learn most of what they learn by imitating. Mm -hmm. they, they see an adult doing something and they go and do it themselves. And to do that, you have to have a genuine adult. I mean, you can't, you can't fake something out of, out of nowhere, right. especially if you're an 11-year-old girl. If exactly. you see something happening, it, it's, it's absolutely <clears throat> natural reaction for a child to try to imitate it. Yeah, exactly. And they, they, they were asked, well, we knew that at the time, and it was no big deal. I didn't get all excited about it. I mean, it was, right. it was their house, and it wasn't for me to tell them how to, what to do in their own home. Mm -hmm. And um, I must say, they were not very good at it. Because we caught them every time, and um, they admitted that. Right. <clears throat> there was one great occasion where they, uh, I went out for, for a meal and came back after about half an hour, and my tape recorder had disappeared. And they told me the ghost had taken it away, and I thought, oh, yes. And, and I had a look around, and I found it in about five minutes, and it was still recording. So the uh, unfortunate kids had recorded their own evidence. <laughs> so um, we had a good laugh about that. And um, as I say, it was no, no big deal at all. I mean, it was just a couple of kids trying to get back to normal and playing mm -hmm. games. And I thought that was really quite encouraging. Wow. Because early on, they, re they really were scared. I mean, they were absolutely terrified at the start well, yeah. because they just didn't know, they couldn't cope with this kind of... Um, event happening in their own home and also very very uh, intense it would just go on and on and on all, all day and half the night it was, it was it was really it was quite alarming yeah I mean, for, no. for them it wasn't too bad for me because i'd seen it all before but it, it was um it, it certainly shook them up and they, they took a long time to get over it mm -hmm. right now with the i know that you know you had johnny and billy too what, what where were i mean what was the what was their part in this i mean where were they at when this is all happening i mean because it more centered around the the girls than the boys i was just kind of curious about well, that yeah the boys didn't didn't really get involved for different reasons because um the little one billy who was only about five or six mm -hmm. yeah. uh, he only had one interest in his life which was building lego bricks and he d did that whatever was going on he just didn't take any notice at all of tables <laughs> and chairs flying around I mean, he was really wonderful and um Johnny was was a very very sad story, un, unknown to anybody at the time. He he was suffering from terminal brain cancer, Aww. and he died when he was fourteen. Oh my God! That so was sad. absolutely dreadful. Yeah. And um, they have a policy, um, apparently, where they do not tell parents because I suppose that would make it even worse. You know, if you had to live for six or seven years knowing you were going to die. I mean, that, that's, it, it, well, it's one of those things you just can't, there's no solution to that problem. But anyway, that's what they did. Mm -hmm. And um, Johnny was actually the first to hear any strange noises coming out of the wall. Right. And um, he, he was the one who sort of sounded the alarm, as it were. Mm -hmm. And he, he was a very, very uh, well-behaved and rather... Quiet and uh, um, not 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 the kind of boy who would play tricks. Right. Mean, the, the girls were much more mischievous than he was. But as I said, they, they were very unskilled at the art of deceiving investigators. Yeah. <laughs> and 
but we we all we all got along fine really, and we we still do. I mean, I'm still on speaking terms with Janice, and she's um, she hasn't she hasn't uh, held anything against me for um, disturbing her illusions. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, within the case, I mean, what were some of the most uh, startling, I guess, or strongest evidence you believe uh, you were, you know, that you uh, actually encountered or were, you know, experienced? Oh gosh, I mean, I know so much, but I mean, yeah, that's like dumping a kid in a toy shop and saying, "Which is your favorite toy?" You know, we we want to buy the whole store. Well, that's my job, guy. Yeah, well, I think really the most the most um, interesting episodes were to me the ones that violate the laws of science, okay. which is something I always enjoy watching because. It also sends scientists into a tailspin, and that, that's most enjoyable. And um, <clears throat> I suppose the ultimate one was when, um, to put it briefly, Janet went through the wall. Um, <laughs> that takes a bit of explanation, but she um, she had a book in her bedroom, a uh, big, big children's large format book, Okay. which incidentally was called Fun and Games for Children. And um, during the course of the evening, it disappeared. And um, Janet had a kind of a brief trance where she she became thoroughly upset and confused. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, I've just been through the war. So we thought, okay. And, and um, eventually we managed to get into the house next door, which was empty. Mm-hmm. We had to wait for the Vic's wife to come home. And sure enough, up in the bedroom, there was the book that had been in uh, Janet's house half an hour previously. There was no way at all that she could have got in there because the house was locked. Right. And the window was locked. And, and Janet was under observation. And Peggy was on the way home and certainly hadn't... Uh, been leaving any books on the floor of her bedroom, mm-hmm. so I mean that that really did happen, and it it um, it makes you think. And it, it wasn't the only time when, um, well, it's certainly not the only time when solid objects have gone through walls and floors. I mean that that's part of the poltergeist repertoire. Right, exactly. And several other cases, of, uh, especially the recent one in South Shields, it was happening all the time. I mean. Things like coins and books and toys and things. So it's uh, absolutely impossible in terms of science as we know it. Mm-hmm. Therefore, science as we know it is not enough. I mean, there's a lot more of science that we don't know. Right, exactly. So we're talking no, apportation apporta- then, where it's just moving from one space to another. Uh, well, it, it, it's... Uh, um, I've, got, I've got friends who... Uh, Sort of professors of physics who yes. are not terribly worried. I mean, they 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 accept this sort of thing as being theoretically possible, mm-hmm. according to various rather complicated um, theories of quantum physics and and right. what what do they call it? Um, micro entanglement. Yes, and right. it's it's not it's not completely forbidden by. Um, by by physicists, it's it's it's, it's more the uh, psychologists who give us the trouble because they haven't they simply haven't got a clue what's going on and they don't know where to start. 
Right. So, um, uh, luckily, I do know some quite high-powered physicists, including a Nobel Prize winner in, in England, who, who's very helpful and interested in these things. And um, they can't explain it, but they certainly don't rule it out. I mean, they, they realize that there's so much that we still don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, as the great philosopher Donald Rumsfeld once put it, there are things that we don't know that we don't know. Right. Right. And uh, that's the smartest thing he ever said. I mean, that's 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 true, <laughs> absolutely true. So, so, so with um, some of the people that you know that, uh, I mean, can you tell me if some of the people that came into the case or in contact with the case that uh, were in maybe the field of the paranormal that uh, helped or hindered or you know what I mean? Um, yeah, we had a lot of help and a certain amount of hindrance, which I tend to forget about. But the um, um, <clears throat> the members of the SPR uh, were very supportive, and, and uh, we had a total of about 30 people eventually came at least once. Mm-hmm. And um, I could name them, but I doubt if you've heard of most of them. They're just ordinary... <laughs> um, well, they're just ordinary members who, yeah, okay. who were asked to help, and they and they uh-huh. did. Yeah. Uh, the, the most helpful, I think, was a student of um, Professor Hasted, who's the professor of physics at Birkbeck College, London University. Okay. And um, his student, David Robertson, was very interested in um, in, in parapsychology, and, and he, he came several times and uh, did a lot of... Um, he did a lot of experiments with, with strain gauges and metal bars and things like that, and he, he got some quite useful hard evidence. And um, then, of course, we had... Um, uh, who, who was it? Um, well, we had a, um, a doctor who, who's sadly now, now died, uh, Dr. Ian Fletcher, who was a member of the Magic Circle. He was a very yeah, good conjurer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was also a very skilled hypnotist. And we had him hypnotize Janet with oh. great difficulty. I mean, she didn't like the idea, but I I really insisted and said, you know, mm-hmm. come on, you've got to do this because that's a pretty good way of finding out if they're uh, trying to hide anything. Correct. And anyway, we were completely satisfied that she wasn't trying to hide anything. Mm-hmm. And so was Dr. Fletcher. And... Um, at the same time, she did uh, say under hypnosis that the cause of all the trouble was, was herself. And I think really? she realized that it was something in her little head, as she put it, uh-huh. that was getting out and causing all this uh, um, trouble. And we, we did find out that um, her mother had a history of epilepsy, which um, at the time I didn't think anything of it because it was... Um, completely cured. She didn't have any right. attacks when we were there. Uh-huh. But uh, Janet did have a couple of episodes that looked very much like a grand mal seizure, which I have witnessed. And it's pretty terrifying. And the amount of energy that's released and the force involved is quite extraordinary. I mean, I, uh-huh. I've been one of four people trying to hold down a man who was having a fit on a, oddly enough, on Copacabana Beach in Brazil. Which is a good place, at least it's not a hard surface. Right. And um, but the the strength in a single limb mm-hmm. is just all you can do to control it. I mean, it is astonishing what reserves of strength we do have. Well, if somehow you get this energy converted 
into a state that we don't understand. Yes. That's where you start getting chairs thrown around the room. You know, I mean, there's, there's, um, it's not a very convincing explanation, but at least it's a clue. No. Yeah, no, it makes and, sense because I... I'm sorry. Yeah, it makes no. sense because, you know, you a lot of... Uh, I noticed a lot of poltergeist cases connected with epilepsy and stuff like that. Yes, it's only recently become realized yeah. that because it's mm-hmm. always... Um, we always get into this nonsense about being the work of the devil and all that rubbish, you know, and that just, well, I mean, there are still I people know. who believe yeah. that. I know. Uh, and um, we've had recent experience of one of them uh, at Enfield who doesn't need any publicity from me. Uh, and um, there, there, there is a, there is a uh, scientific explanation. We just haven't quite got it yet. I mean, there has to be. Right. I, I don't accept that um, so-called supernatural which is um totally beyond nature and um is is the sole uh, um stamping ground if you like of of god mm-hmm. and we can't interview him or her or them so so it's it's a useless hypothesis it leads you nowhere and uh, what what we have to do is deal with the evidence we've got mm-hmm. uh, and that's what we've been doing and and I think we made a lot of we not pro Progress. One um, very interesting discovery from Enfield was when we recorded a lot of these knocking sounds. Yes. And um, one night I, I said to um, uh, Maurice Gross, uh, let's see what happened if we do some knocking ourselves and then see if they look different on a oscilloscope, um, if they have a, what they call a different acoustic signature. Okay. And at the time, we couldn't find anyone to do that. We didn't have enough contacts in universities. But uh, again, it was one of our colleagues in the SBR who came to our rescue, Barry mm-hmm. Colvin, who has he he owns his own factory, uh, a chemical plant. Okay. And um, he's got every possible bit of kit that you can think of, and he he did have an oscilloscope, in fact, several. And um, he kindly ran through the tape and um, showed, did a printout, and it is completely different. You can't imitate that that effect. Because if, if you bang on a piece of uh, table or the floor or whatever, any kind of percussive sound, um, you get a very uh, high peak at the start of it, maximum uh, amplitude, and it, yeah. it gradually drops down in a very regular curve. And um, there's no exception to that at all. Okay. But when the poltergeist goes to work, it's, it's entirely different. You get the peak in the middle. And the only way you can fake that is in an earthquake, where earthquakes have a very similar pattern of sound. Okay. Um, because they start deep underground, as, as you know. Right. And they gradually build up to the surface and finally sort of explode. Oh. And so you you get this strange uh, effect on the chart, which uh-huh. um, you simply cannot replicate. That's interesting. At least nobody we've challenged people to do that, and they they, yeah. they can't. And we've shown it to professors of physics who sort of mumble something, and then suddenly remember they have to leave the room, and then <laughs> we don't. We, yeah, that did literally happen. We, uh, we don't see funny. them again because yeah. um, the, unfortunately the academic world they're terrified of things they can't explain right and, exactly. and they prefer to just ignore them or, or to 
start making silly remarks about how, how we must be crazy and all that rubbish. So I, I don't have very much time for them, but luckily they, there are exceptions. And um, thanks to um, Barry Corbyn, who, who is a, a um, MSc in science, he, he's a chemist by training, Yes, and he he knows how to do an experiment. He does them all the time in his work. So um, we then rounded up about ten other recordings, which um, some some of them from the BBC archive. Yeah, going right back to 1950, I think it was, mm-hmm. famous case that was broadcast on the radio from Scotland, and um, we've now got about twelve or fifteen, I think, altogether recordings right. from different cases, and they all show the same effect. Huh. Well, any other kind of scientific research, that's it. I mean, that's enough. Well, oh, that's fascinating. Uh, it's what they call similar fact evidence, mm-hmm. which is accepted in, in courts of law. If you get similar incidents turning up on 15 murder cases, although there's yes. no evidence that the murderer X was actually there, mm-hmm. you can assume that it was the same person. Right. Exactly. So, so it is with poltergeist. If you if you get the same phenomenon happening all over the world, I mean, uh, we've had cases in Brazil where I spent many years, and also yes. France, uh-huh. Germany. Um, where's the other one? Well, there were I think about four or five different different countries um, uh-huh. with poltergeist, all, all showing exactly the same. Um, Acoustic pattern on on the paper on the on the chart. Wow. So that's proper evidence. I mean, that's that's what they call hard evidence because it's mm-hmm. um there it is on paper. Right. Uh, and um, and also uh, it can be uh, faked, as it were, but not not easily. Mm-hmm. It would take quite some time and involve all sorts of tricky uh, operations with stroking rubber and doing funny things like that, but. Normally, I mean, if um, if you hear banging on the floor and then you immediately bang on the floor yourself, which is what I right. did with a broomstick, mm-hmm. and they sounded exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You couldn't right. tell which was which at the time on, on the tape recording. Right. But when you run them through the, the oscilloscope, they are completely different. And we've tested, uh, we've had people tested uh, playing all... Um, 12, we had at the time, 12 recordings and asked them to choose which was Poltergeist and which was me or somebody else. And they got, uh, occasionally they got one of them wrong, but they got usually well over 90% correct. So I think that's a pretty robust effect, really. It's uh, say, yeah, good evidence. So, and so I'm much more interested in that than in silly stories about devils. Yes. So how did so we had four? It went on for a long time. How did it finally subside? How did it come to its conclusion? I guess it was a tremendous anticlimax. I'm afraid it's not like it is in the in the films. You know, we didn't have sort of um, green slime all over the place and screaming oh, exorcists. And <laughs> no, well, that, you know, if you're a serious uh, journalist, you describe what you see and not not what yes. you would like to have seen. Definitely. And. Um, well, we had this mysterious fellow um, uh, donor from the Netherlands who a friend of mine said that he could stop poltergeist and would I like to, to have him um, come over and, and stop it? And I said, yes. And that's what happened. He came over and he stopped it. 
um, that in 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 summary is is how it ended. Wow. And it it may have been a combination of suggestion or hypnosis or um, whatever you think. There is an element of that, I think, because um, um, Dono didn't speak English very well, and we also gave him a tremendous build-up. We said, oh, yeah, he's the greatest expert in the world on stopping poltergeists and so on. So they were expecting that he was going to do something uh, impressive. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I don't think he did anything. He just went up into the bedroom on his own for about a quarter of an hour and then he came down and, and um, said through his um, colleague who was an interpreter, he said he thinks it's gone and uh, it had hmm. and that was, that was it Wow. So, uh, in a way it was, yeah. it was really quite impressive in a, in a way because I think he was um, I think of what a hypnotist would call an indirect suggestion Right. There was no, there was no direct suggestion ever made to the girls, mm-hmm. but they were somehow deceived into believing that that he was going to stop it. Right. And and as any hypnotist can tell you, that if you can get somebody to really believe something, yes. without without any kind of um, hesitation or doubt, then you get the result. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, true. And that's that's the secret of, of curing. Uh, Serious diseases. If you can, um, the, the reason they don't do it nowadays is that they've got too much doubt themselves. I mean, they don't think they can do it. Mm-hmm. But you remember that famous story of 50 years ago of the British hypnotist who cured a he cured an incurable disease by mistake because he thought it was something else. <laughs> I wrote a whole book about that. I mean, that that really is an <laughs> incredible story, and and. Um, it's never been sufficiently explained. I, I went into that quite, quite detail. I mean, it was a skin disease called ichthyosis, which is known as fish skin disease. It's an absolutely horrible thing to have, mm-hmm. and it was totally incurable in 1952. And um, <clears throat> this young hypnotist simply didn't look at the patient very closely. He only saw saw her on, on the hospital stretcher. Mm-hmm. and saw her arm sticking out of the gun, and he thought it was just a whole lot of warts. And he knew he could cure warts, because every hypnotist does that as a sort of mm-hmm. routine. And so he told the surgeon, he said, I'll, I'll have a go, and um, he, he had a go, and he he, he, he cured the... the um, sorry, it was a boy, not a, not a girl. Um, he removed about 80% of the stuff. He never got 100% off, but he got enough off to, for the boy to have a normal life which he hadn't had before. Wow. So um, he succeeded because he didn't know what he was doing, literally. Hmm. That's crazy. Uh, and yet they, they, nobody seems to have learned the obvious lesson. I'm still finding um, the hypnotists are now trying to claim that, they, that he didn't really cure him at all. It was all due to some secret medicine that they gave him when nobody was looking. And, you know, they go to any length to avoid... Yeah facing the fact that the human mind has got abilities that we haven't even started to to uncover. Mm -hmm. So you you said... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, good poltergeists can actually uh, help science quite a lot if they realized it because it shows what is possible. Right, exactly. So you said you you still talk to Janet now and she's doing okay? Well, not frequently. I mean, I I, I did speak to her on the phone a a couple of years ago. We, We appeared on a terrible TV program where they 
managed to persuade her to take part, and she said she would if if I could be there as well, mm. which was nice. So I um, I turned up and um, <clears throat> listened to the usual kind of rubbish from, from the so-called skeptic, and um, I uh, well I assume that Janet probably got paid quite well. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, well, she deserved it. Yeah, and although she's she's quite okay now, she's got a very yeah. solid uh, husband and two oh, sons, and she's okay. living long way from Enfield, and she um, doesn't want to talk to anybody. And I, I've undertaken not to give anybody her address or, de- or mm-hmm. details or anything. So, um, oh, yeah. so she's okay the way she is. Okay, but so she, it, it did. It made a tremendous impression on her. I mean, she she. Uh, oh. Until quite recently, she kept asking me if I thought it was going to start up again. Oh. And I, I had to really yell at her and say, no, it is not. So leave it out. <laughs> and if it, if it does start up again, it'll be the first time in history that anyone's had the same, the same poltergeist go away and come back. It just does not happen. Right. Because they only happen when there's a certain set of conditions present. Correct. And uh, that, that doesn't last. I mean, you... you, you um, you get over it and you don't do it again. It's like falling off a bicycle. Once you've done it, you 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 learn how not to. Right. So so I have to ask the, I have to ask this question. I know you're probably just going to say uh, roll your eyes, but the movie, The Conjuring Two, that's out. Ba- they say based on this case. What's your What's your take on that? Well, very simple. I haven't seen it. Oh. Okay. And I've no intention of seeing it. I mean, I, I don't go to horror films. I mean, because they're all so stupid. Uh, we 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 did have a um, there was a TV serial last year uh-huh. shown in um, I, <clears throat> I think it was shown in the United States as well. It was starring Timothy Spall as um, as Boris Gross and Matthew McFadden as me, which is very flattering. Uh, he's the fellow who w- walked off into the sunset with Kara Knightley in, in Pride and Prejudice, oh, which go. I haven't managed to do myself yet, but I still <laughs> keep hoping. But um, it was beautifully done. It was a very, very classy uh, production with a uh-huh. Danish director who made some big hit in Denmark. And it was um, excellently directed and, and all very nice, except that it had no, no relation at all to what really happened. And... Um, I had a public debate with the producer, which um, was quite interesting, and I, I got in quite a few knockout blows, I think. And um, at one point, I asked him, I said, why, why didn't you use any of the real phenomena, like that business of Janet going through the wall with the book? And he said, oh, well, nobody would believe that. <laughs> so I thought, oh, really? I mean, this was advertised as based on a true case. And if nobody will believe it, why bother to make it? Why not just invent it, which is, in fact, what they did. Well, yeah. And then on another occasion, he said, um, he said the important thing in television is it has to look good. You know, that's that, that's that sort of mentality. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It has to look good. So, so these, I just can't bother with these people. I mean, I'm, I'm not going near a TV yeah. studio again ever, if I can help it, <laughs> unless well, I'm yeah. in charge. So they, they just they, well, I mean, it, they, I've got no common ground with people like that at all. I mean, that that's right. their mentality, and I just don't want to descend to that level. 
Right, exactly. Well, that's making sense when they say we can't put uh, in the TV uh, show that the book went through the wall, but we can have like dressers flying in the air and all this other stuff that they do in the movies. I, it just doesn't make any sense. That why wouldn't they? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's th- that's that happens a lot with movies. It kind of drives me crazy too. It's like, you know, they'll say loosely based. I'm like, man, if it was any more loosely, your pants would fall at your ankles. You know what I mean? So uh, it's not it has anything to do with the real case. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, they didn't even they didn't even say that the um, the Enfield haunting, as it was called, was not loosely based. It was based. Yeah, I know. Uh, and they gave well. The good news was the the um, <clears throat> the book sold more in the in the week after the showing than it had in um, forty years. Oh well. So I mean that shows you what, how to exploit television for your own purposes, and and I hope that. <laughs> Conjuring 12 or whatever it's called that has the same effect because um, I've noticed that sales have certainly picked up since it um, came out well, and of what? course it's, it's going all the way around the world so so yeah. um, I'm laughing on my way to, on the, all, all the way, way to the, the bank, bank right? yep. <laughs> well good well, for because, you um, yeah, films don't really last very long but books no. do I mean, that's the nice yes. thing about them and, um, and also I've met quite a few people who went to see the um, Conjuring, and then went to get the book, and they, they were um, astonished uh, <clears throat> at how, how different they were. Right, exactly. And um, I've also met one or two people who, who believe, believed everything they saw on TV or film actually must have happened, <laughs> and they were quite sort of disappointed when I said they didn't. Uh. And I... Um, Told them to go and buy the book, which I hope they did. And um, that, that's the kind of curious uh, effects that media have on people. Uh, exactly. And, um, exactly. <clears throat> so I mean, you've oh, now yeah. got a si- situation where a lot of people will see that yeah. conjuring whatever it is with, with uh, the great, what's his name, Ed Warren, who, as far as I recall, only spent one one visit there, or possibly two. And um, all I can remember is him telling me how much money he could make out of the case. And I thought, well, that's your attitude. Goodbye. I mean, I'm just not going to talk to him. Right. And uh, so I left. <clears throat> and um, I never heard any comment from any of the family after he'd gone. So I very much doubt if any of the things that happened in his his film actually did happen. Mm-hmm. Although I can't be sure because I wasn't there. Right, but but I would be surprised if they, if they did. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, it was it was quite an experience. It was a good case, and we've had several um, since then in in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, one particularly good one in um, up in the north in South Shields, by a couple of friends of mine who who did a very good job, and um, <coughs> wrote, wrote a book about it. South Shields mm-hmm. poltergeist. Mm-hmm. <coughs> And um, they they do turn up, and we're also in touch with a group of people from uh, Russia, where, where they <clears throat> they seem to have a great many poltergeists, and they mm-hmm. they also investigate them very thoroughly with with uh, you know sort of full scientific equipment works and everything, and uh, uh-huh. they don't have the same sort of uh, hang-ups that, that people in, uh, in Western Europe seem to have, mm-hmm. and the Russians have always been very open to any sort of. Uh, Weird, occult, whatnot. Right. So, the poltergeist is regarded as quite normal. 
Interesting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're far more common than people might realize. We have a, we keep um, clippings in the Society for Psycho Research, and we've got well over 200, which we, we collected just in the last couple of years. Uh-huh. So, so the, the, um, thanks to one of our colleagues in Australia who's got the most amazing sort of search engine or whatever it is, he gets cases from all over the world, practically every country you can think of. And um, some of them really are fascinating. I mean, the, the, um, the similarity between uh, cases in countries that have got no contact at all. I mean, like uh-huh. sort of Vietnam and Argentina or yeah. Paraguay and Vanuatu or somewhere, and you find exactly the same things happening. Wow. It's, it, it's, it's like, as I was saying before, it's a similar fact evidence, mm-hmm. which, which um, as uh, no less than William James remarked, you can't... Um, you can't invent a trick. You have you have to either base it on something real, or you base it on somebody else's trick. You can't invent it out of the blue, right? Exactly. Unless you're an exceptional sort of genius. But um, uh, people like you know, Houdini and Co. They they were doing things that are um, sort of magic versions of things that people do anyway. Mm-hmm. Sort of tie themselves up and get out get get out of ropes. And um, you can't expect uh, young children to suddenly become fully-fledged master magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, to become a master magician takes years of training and, and um, very, very rigorous physical training as well as, well right. as just learning. Yeah. You have to do extraordinary things with your hands and feet and so on. So um, to just sort of vaguely say, oh, yeah, it's all due to conjuring and children are very clever and... Uh, I'm sorry, that wouldn't do. I mean, that, that's that's not an explanation. Right. Well, um, we kind of gotten to the time where I, I gotta. I'm gonna have to, you know, end the interview. Though I don't, I could talk to you probably for another two hours. But um, <laughs> is there well, anything? Well. Is there anything? You know, anything you'd like to share with anybody as far as like maybe websites or where they can get your book or anything before we uh, end the interview? Oh yeah, you can get my book from Amazon.com, which is quite easy. Uh, it's not. Um, I don't think it's in the bookstores in uh, in America, but it's certainly on the um, uh, Amazon. Um, that's the most efficient. They're very quick. Uh, Amazon will get it to you in a couple of days, and they 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 um, they have a printing press in 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 in, in the U.S. So so um, that's the easy way to get it. And um, there have been several editions, so make sure you get the. The, the latest one, which was I think was two, two, uh, 2011 okay. or twelve, which has got a little postscript, and I thought of doing another postscript about all these stupid films and things. But uh, on the whole, I don't think I'll bother. I mean, it's they won't, they won't, they won't last, and, and the book will. Mm-hmm. So I'll right. stick to that. Okay. Uh, Hmm. All right. Well, um, uh, Guy, it's been a absolute pleasure to talk to you because I've always wanted to talk to you because you know I'm I'm really into the case. So it was like for me to be able to talk to you or you were right there. It's just I really do appreciate. It. I want to thank you quite a lot. Well, thank you very much, and uh, hope it. Um, uh, hope your readers don't get too scared by by the. <laughs> by the uh, <laughs> hmm. No, it'll be fine. It's great. I want to. I want to thank you again. I wish you uh, the, the rest of the day. Thanks for taking the time out uh, today to talk to me too. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay. Well, guy, you have oh. a good day. 
Yep, and you. Bye bye. Right, thank you. All right, cheers. How's that, Cheryl? How's that for an interview? That was fascinating. That was crazy. That was crazy. We talked to Mr. Playfair, I think it was back in 2011. You can Mm -hmm. search our uh, archives on Podbean or iTunes um, for that interview as well. It was, um, you can search iTunes Paranormal Underground Radio or Podbean Paranormal Underground Radio and check that one out as well. Um, But I'm so thankful to Mr. Playfair for coming back and talking to us again about this case, which has gained some more attention because of the recent movie, uh, The Conjuring 2, which focuses on this case the Enfield poltergeist case although they they do not present it as a poltergeist case in the movie no. uh they pre- present it as a demon case so right. it's it's it says it's based on a true story and it, it is based on a true story but i very very loosely based on a true story mm-hmm. so yeah that's what i was saying <laughs> well, that's what i said to him i said you know i'm going with the loosely he goes well it didn't say loosely i go i know but i'm just saying it was loosely based on it and it's it's one person's interpretation too you know exactly. but i mean i like to listen to him because this guy was there for the whole time. I mean, he was right. in the mix of all this. You know what I mean? Right, right. And you know, he witnessed the paranormal activity. He, you know, like he said, he witnessed many different things: the chair sliding, the the knockings. Oh, I'm sure a whole host more of of paranormal activity. Yeah. And um, it, just to hear him talk about it and what it was like back then. Like you said, I'm sure we could have talked to him for hours more. Oh, I wish we and, could yeah. have. I could have just kept going piece, piece by piece through the case. but um, yeah. And he seemed to like open up a lot, too. He was really yeah. talking about different things, not just that case. He was getting into other stuff, too. Mm-hmm. I found the oscilloscope thing. I found that totally, like, I didn't even think about that. That is so interesting because you always think of sound when you're doing an investigation, like even mm-hmm. EVPs. Mm-hmm. It's imitation of a sound. It's not the sound. Mm-hmm. So how do you figure out if it's, a real sound or imitation and I never even put together duh an oscilloscope would, would would be able to tell you if that sound is actually generated in nature the way we generate it and I right. think that was really cool that they did that yeah that is fascinating research I've read some stuff about that I think they've even done more recent experimentation with that equipment in paranormal activity I honestly can't remember who did it or what it was about, but I know they've yeah. been experimenting even more recently with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's good to hear that Janet is, is doing well these days. I always wonder, yes. okay, what happened? I mean, it's good to hear that she, she that she's doing well. I was um, happy to hear about that. And, mm-hmm. I want, and I wanted to find out about the boys. I was so sorry to hear about yeah. the one play. Um, yeah. But I, I just was curious. Like, it makes sense that the, the younger one would be like, hey, what's going on? You know, oh, there's a, something flying over my head, whatever, you know, because he's a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other one was, you know, they had issues there. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was f- interesting when he, when he talks about the one, that one magician who's a hypnotist. And he comes in and he's like right. blown away, like, okay, what's this this that's really happening you know so yeah i found that to be uh fascinating and i and i do notice that when a lot of people talk about poltergeist cases about epilepsy and that kind of stuff connecting to that right which maybe it opens up somewhere in your brain that other uh, you know us that don't have it it doesn't open up the same way so it's a trigger mechanism for the force or the energy or whatever that comes from your mind you know i find that just fascinating so mm-hmm. yeah definitely i mean we've talked to a few people who um have thought they've been the subject of the they've been the human agent of mm-hmm. that creates the poltergeist phenomena and so right. it's really interesting to hear about their circumstances at the time 
you know, what was happening. And then the fact that Janet, I guess, under hypnosis felt that she was responsible for the activity, you Mm -hmm. know, um, was very interesting to hear. And, you know, I assume it's because of the turbulent times that were going on in her life, you know, back then. And um, like like Mr. Playfair said, there's just so many different variables going on at that certain time to create the poltergeist phenomena that just I don't know how it could ever be recreated, you know, in any type of lab or any other type of circumstances to recreate that exact thing. And I don't understand where I don't understand where the difference comes between a poltergeist and a tulpa. Like, you know, when, it, when, you're, when, I, when you're talking about a thought form that be, can be created and becomes its own entity versus a poltergeist case where it's connected to a human uh, agent and then eventually it just dissipates once, you know, it goes through whatever it goes through or is, is yeah. you know, brought down. I mean, why doesn't it take its own life upon itself and go? And what's the difference between the two? I would, I would. I always thought, and this is just maybe my own impressions, that Mm -hmm. a tulpa was created purposefully while a poltergeist was not. Was accidentally, okay. But I don't know. That's my own feeling about what I've read or heard about Mm -hmm. tulpas versus poltergeists. But that is a great question. I really can't answer that. Well, we're just going to, I'm going to find someone to answer. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like, I I think about that all the time. We talk about this all the time. Yeah. And I do understand that a tulpa is something where you're, you're trying to create it and it takes a, you know, sometimes it takes years or whatever. You're, you're, you know, and eventually Mm -hmm. it takes, first it starts off with, you know, it's uh, attributes or are the same as yours. You know, your, how you feel about things, what you like, what you don't like. And then eventually because it becomes its own uh, Mm -hmm. self that it, it can take on its own thoughts and its own feelings and its own whatever. So I, I just find it interesting that versus a poltergeist, which is connected to someone accidentally, just some, whatever it happens, triggers it. And then it goes forward. And then at some point it either dissipates, like what he said, um, where that guy just went up there for like a quarter hour. And then was just kind of nonchalantly suggesting that it's all going to end or, you know, it's all done or whatever. And then next thing you know, boom, done. Well, and Chad, who's listening right now on the pre-record, he said that, well, we had a guest on before who had a friend who had cancer who was creating, uh, not on purpose, but but creating these PK events around her. Right. Um, So maybe it does have to do with that extra thing going on in the body that, you know, maybe not in all cases, but maybe in a a high number of these cases, maybe maybe that is the trigger. So maybe know. the maybe the boy that was in the home well, that had the, the you know was part mm-hmm. of the energy that was coming maybe. and then yeah. the girl being in that you know that certain age bracket whatever mm-hmm. as they say and having epilepsy maybe the two mm-hmm. to combined you just made don't it, know yeah yeah that's really interesting they could make it a lot more a lot larger in force than just one particular person in the, in the incidents that happened with them so mm-hmm. I find it interesting yeah so yes well there you go we had our little interview with Guy Lion Playfair. Infield Poltergeist case, and this is going to be great because this is uh, also it's awesome, and it's going to be for it's, it's this is the 300 show, and mm-hmm. how, how better to to put it celebrate? Right? Oh yeah, celebrate! <laughs> Come on! So Woo! I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. You've been listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR. I'm your host Chucky G. Welcome back to this special episode of Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark and you guys just heard the really awesome interview with guy lion playfair and i just want to tell you know our guests in quotes who really are the people in charge how 
awesome it was of you to ask me to co-host this special event and it's been really fun kind of jumping into the the pug family and so thank you very much and i want to uh take it to cheryl because cheryl's gonna kind of close out the show for us and tell us uh what's what's coming up yeah first i want to give a special thank you to chad because he started this i'm gonna use the j word this journey with me eight nine years ago when we first thought of paranormal underground magazine and then the radio show and um, so I just want to give him a big thank you for, you know, spending, yeah, thanks, his, spending his time doing this fun stuff. And I just want to have a question for you. Has this turned out to be what you thought it would be from the beginning? Did you have you achieved what you wanted to set out? How has it changed anything for you? Well, I'd, to answer that, I'd like to refer back to uh, Teresa's question from earlier. How, you know, our view of the paranormal's changed over the span of the show magazine yeah i feel like i'm more open to the personal experiences than i used to be Um, when we started i felt like you know people should have to prove what happened to them but over the years i've come to realize that it's not so much that someone needs to prove their experience but it basically boils down to what we think of the paranormal as individuals i mean i believe each individual must come to their own understanding of the paranormal and uh, decide for themselves whether they believe or not independent of anyone else's experience and honestly i don't know if science will ever prove the existence of of life after death, and I'm I'm okay with that because so uh, sometimes you just need to come to your own conclusions and forget forget what uh what everybody want everyone else thinks. You know, I think the the paranormal is you know one such area. You know, yeah. well said. Yeah, well yeah. said. I like that. I thank like you, it. Thank you. Good job. Um, thank you. Thanks. Thanks again to Karen and Chuck for hosting each week. And, and Rick Hale. And Rick, thank you for years. I don't know if Rick yeah. is even going to hear this, but thanks to Rick Hale for for hosting for all those years as well. And thanks to all our listeners and our guests. And we've had so many special guests over the years. We just we can't thank everybody, but it's amazing, really, when we think back about all our special guests who have come on and you know shared their knowledge, shared their experiences. It's it's not an easy mm-hmm. thing to do, so we really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. On that note, we will continue. Oh. Oh, we're still continuing. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. Oh, we're not quitting. We not no, quitting. I thought we this was the last show, man. We're not quitting. Can you believe it? Um, <laughs> and next week, I hope you guys come back. Same time, same place. Next week, we'll actually be talking to a guest who, Patrick, you recommended her to us. Um, Yay! I very, very, very much love her. She's she's close to my heart, so I can't wait for that one. Her name is Karen Dahlman, and she is the author of the book called The Spirits of Ouija, Four Decades of Communication. So that'll be July 14th. And then on July 21st, we're going to be replaying a, replaying a pre-record with a guest. His name is Gerard Artson. Gerard is the author of George Adams, Adamski, A Herald for the Space Brothers, as well as the book Here to Help UFOs and the Space Brothers. So that should be interesting. We have a lot of interesting guests in store, but we want to announce the, them right now. So just stay tuned. You can go to paranormalunderground.net. And, you, can uh, follow, you can follow us uh, yes. in MixLR. If you go into the MixLR window, which is mixlr.com forward slash paranormal dash underground dash radio forward slash. If you look on the uh, left side, you'll see a little red button that says follow with a plus sign. Just click that and then you will never miss another show again. Oh, you will be you will be notified forever, every time we're on the air. Forever, every time. Mm-hmm. You will be sucked in and stuck. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, with our juvenile antics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cheryl shared with us during the break that the most common negative feedback she gets about the show is that we're a little bit juvenile. I don't know what you're talking it's about. It's true. <laughs> it's true, but maybe I have a little fun every now and then. I'm sorry. It's the way it is. Uh, too bad, we, we so We were discussing sad. that we don't take ourselves very seriously. No, no. no. But we take our guests seriously, and yes. we take our yes. listeners seriously. We do. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. All right, we so we have two minutes. Uh, what are we going to do in this last two minutes? Uh, Harry, anything we... you want to shamelessly promote? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always, I think as... you guys need to sh- shamelessly promote for once. Uh, promote. com. That's my website. Uh, or if you want Whew. to see my cookbooks it's karenfraser.com yes. uh, i just have uh the chucky g community.com uh you can go there and you can check out all the things i'm trying to do to help people and to make this world a better place to live in That's and the I magazine mean. cheryl as mm-hmm. always paranormal underground.net go there mm-hmm. go, go there be there. square yeah, be square. That's right. You can yeah. follow us on Facebook. Um, we, you can follow all of us on Facebook. There's a Chuck E. G. Community yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. There's an author, Karen Fraser, on Facebook. There's Paranormal Underground on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, There's also a Big Stop Seance me. podcast on Facebook. So there hey. is. You could go to the Big Seance Parlor on Facebook if you want to join join the group of para nerds. Yeah, thanks for uh, putting us in the Paranerd group, by the way. You're well, that's right. You're all a member of the Paranerd yes. family. I know. So okay. I just have to say, Patrick, spectacular yeah. job. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we missed Nicole, but you know what? You stepped up and you handled it beautifully, and I can't think of anybody I would rather have had host our 300th show. So thank oh. you. Thank you. You got my blood pumping a little earlier with all the techie stuff. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Live radio. <laughs> way to bring you in the right way. I mean, if we're going to do it, we might as well do it the way it always happens for us. There you for go. Real. That's right. Okay, so uh, Patrick, you want to sign us out? You know that. Uh, you know the ending. Do I oh, know? Do it. I just do always it. think when the world gets weird. But that's no, the that's beginning. beginning. <laughs> no, it's the the six p.m. Pacific, nine p.m. Eastern. Oh, you know. I will. I will screw that up. I promise. I'm not going to be able to remember that. Karen, you all right. I can one. do it. Karen, okay. do it in my voice. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can do voices. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the 300th episode and all other episodes uh, of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We love you, our listeners. We love you, our guests. Uh, Here's hoping for 300 more. We will be back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states. Everybody have a great week. Mm -hmm. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something 